Hello and welcome to the Regroup Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Walker. Today on the show, my guest is Aaron McDonald, or some people know him as Will Archive. Aaron is a very interesting guy. Uh, I met him firstly through music. Um, he's an amazing music producer, uh, produces under the label Slytrance, uh, runs Archive Music. Um, they're putting on all sorts of gigs, bass, dub, dubstep, reggae style uh, gigs and coalescence festival. Um, but we never even got to talk about that at all. This conversation just flowed into these natural zones of talking about society and uh, people and um, various different things that did, Look, it was so organic, this conversation, and, and I really look forward to having Aaron come back and we, we carry this forward. Um, yeah, look, it, it really was a, a conversation that we didn't really set any real agendas for, and I think uh, the content speaks for itself, but it meanders so many different topics, it's hard to summarise. Um, but it's... Um, Aaron is running for the Greens party in this electorate and he's just finished an academic degree at James Cook University. He's been involved with all sorts of events and activism and look he's just a really grounded and authentic and genuine person and I'm really grateful that I had this opportunity to sit down and have a really good discussion with him. So. I hope you enjoy it too. I, I think it's uh, going to continue. Uh, uh, but here it is, my discussion with Aaron McDonald. Welcome to the re That bit that you just said you're gonna cut off of us checking and getting used to the idea and that like I notice in myself immediately like I'm already performing you know like (laughs) I feel like I've never done a podcast before but I feel like I'm performing me more (laughs) more, you know there's a certain like um, like unnatural quality that starts immediately as soon as you know this is gonna be recorded for posterity you know like this is i'm and and this is why bro i do the long format yeah because there's something in yeah. just giving it a good red hot go and trying to carry the conversation and getting on. used to it and forgetting you, about the the cameras rolling every, and, everyone's everyone's kind of different um with how long it sort of takes them to to get into the, that yeah. nat- natural space but yeah. uh it's different for, yeah it's different for everyone it's, it's like what we were talking about before we started recording when we we're like um, talking about authenticity in people in their personalities and in their like performances of themselves and it's like yeah I try really hard to be what you know to be naturally myself and whatever that is um, but I just like thought it was interesting you know it's worth registering I think part of like being authentic is registering that I had this feeling of trying to perform myself <laughs> immediately you know like yeah I think that's brilliant stuff to actually talk about too bro i think i think that it's really important to be really aware of when we're being influenced 
that's really what we're talking about. So yeah. in my field of psychology, we talk about social influence. Yeah, totally. So things that are happening to us outside of our body, outside of our biology. Mm. In your environment, they, sort of. Exactly, yeah. and how they, they influence us. Yeah. And, and we, even, we even study it down to the, the difference between conformity, obedience, or you know, the, a, a willingness to be able to actually um, comply like a feeling of duty or something like that. Yeah. Um, so or, or com- so compliance. So yeah, you know, there's difference between. So what are the distinctions between what was it obedience, compliance, and conformity? Yeah. So so if if I asked a, if I requested you to do something for me, and you willingly chose to do it uh, because you wanted to do that of your own free will then you'd be complying to, to my request. Right, okay. If you <coughs> were asked to, to, to fulfil a request and there was some unconscious process that was happening that kind of compelled you to do it, you would be conforming. If I used some form of pressure yeah, intentionally yeah. to make you fulfil the request then you'd be being obedient. Okay. Um, I, my, like, understanding of all of those things, and I, and I guess, like, in it makes practical sense to break them down like that and to use those um, distinctions. But, like, I think um, if you sort of take one step further back from that, I feel like it's all deterministic and everything is... Uh, what was the second one you said? Compliance? Compliance? Um, no. Like, okay. Um, conform. Conformity, conform. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I reckon everything is, is that, you know, like, um, I think, I think they're like, um, go, going pretty deep, pretty quick here, but like, I think that I like, love it. <laughs> I think like free will is an illusion and there's, and everything is conforming and you don't have all of the things, all of your decisions are environmentally determined, um, you know, product of your environment and whatnot. But I feel like, um, you know, someone pressuring you and forcing you what's up is it not recording yeah that's right oh, it's okay. recording man um, i I'm feel like gonna s- make sure that it's following along so okay right see that it's the way yeah, that it's, it's moving yeah. yeah i think that like um someone pressuring you into doing something they're like i feel like everyone plays the hand they're dealt you know like someone pressuring you to do something is them it's oh god like um they're doing what they think's right to do in that moment, and then you either doing the thing they've asked or um, rebelling against that pressure or whatever is the thing that you think is the right thing to do in that, and it's all going to be based on your past experiences and your like um, you know whatever genetic component there is of that. You know, like there's I guess there's certain parts of our personality or whatever that are going to be genetically determined as well, and I don't think anyone has any control over any of that, and it's all just kind of playing out. And we feel like we're making the decisions, but they're the decisions that we see as being available to us are going to be based on environmental factors that happened before we were born, sort of thing, you know? Mm, mm, mm. This, is, <laughs> this is juicy quick, bro. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether or not you... Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Yes. Yeah. Because this free will topic is is pretty hot right now oh, is it? a lot of people talking about it yeah particularly um, real sort of deep 
philosoph philosophers, you know, Sam Harris and Sam Harris has written a really good book on it actually. Yeah. A book called Have you read it? Yeah. Well okay. no, actually I bought it as an audio book and listened to it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean I'm I'm to be honest, I'm seeking people to have discussions about it. Yep, yep. Um because without just defaulting to, a, to playing devil's advocate um, for, for the purpose of having meaningful discussion about this, yeah, yeah. I would then say that if, if everything is determined by that environment, how then does our capacity to then modify the environment play in that equation because we yeah. can choose to modify that environment mm. so that it doesn't influence us the way that it may have in the past your choice to modify the environment is also predetermined it's a big self-influencing machine the whole universe is this big self-influencing machine the way i see it anyway and um and like without like the only sort of spanner in the works i've seen for the well sorry let's get back a step um Everything's predetermined, um, you know, started at the Big Bang, say, and has been uh, predictable ever since. If you knew all of the parameters of the machine, you could predict where, what the outcome of it was going to be, and it's all like a process, right? Um, and even you, even me being aware of this process was always going to happen. It was always going to be um, something that was going to happen in my life, um, you know? And, um, and like, I think, oh, damn it. I lost the train. Hang on. From Big Bang, it's determined. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, I feel like it's all it's all pretty well determined. And like, um, if you're, uh, for practical purposes though, it's no, there's no point in ignoring the fact that we have, a quote free will unquote. You know, like we still make our decisions, even if they've already been made for us. If if that makes any kind of sense, like. Um, like Sam Harris actually touches on this in his book, or oh, well, doesn't touch on it, he goes into it pretty well actually. Like, um, he's sort of saying that like, um, you can't, you know, we can't blame people for the decisions they make. It's, it's largely environmentally determined. In fact, it's entirely determined, I think. Um, but that doesn't mean that people get to claim complete irresponsibility though either. Like we can still set up things like laws and have punishments or whatever to try and dissuade or encourage certain behaviors um, you can't necessarily do away with that stuff entirely just because it's not someone's fault. We still mm. have to, like you're saying, engineer the environment to create the outcomes that we want. Mm. I'm saying that the desire to engineer the environment to create outcomes that we want is determined already as well and it's going to play out like it's going to. That doesn't mean don't do it. It means still do it. Mm. Um, but it, it does also mean like maybe just go easy on people a little more because mm. they're just working with what they've got sort of thing. I feel like that, that's, for me, that was the great insight of, of, um, of understanding that. It's like, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, you're a product of your environment. You know, you can't necessarily blame people for the shitty circumstances they're in and the way that they've um, built up coping mechanisms to deal with those circumstances. Mm. I, I, entirely agree that that is a really helpful perspective to to hold in mind particularly when you're struggling to deal with someone else's behaviors yeah. or projections or yeah. something they've said to you it's particularly helpful to remember that well whatever whatever they just did or said 
is actually a product of their experience. Mm. And even though it might feel painful, it might feel resentful, mm. it's not It's almost about, never about you. It's never about <laughs> it's you. It's almost never about you. Yeah, it's yeah. mostly about them dealing with their own thing. And that doesn't mean um, that you can discount their experience either and go, oh, they're just doing this because X, Y, Z. Like, um, I think you still got to have compassion for people. But, um, you know, understanding is one of if not the greatest gift you can give a person you know truly understanding, understanding. a person yeah, yeah i think yeah like and understanding that you know say if someone's slashing out at you or is, um, has taken something that you've said to them the wrong way or perhaps in the way that you didn't intend it um understanding that they're responding or reacting in whatever way because of whatever they've experienced in the past i think is um I don't know. I, I feel like it's a liberating way of approaching people. Um, I do too. I, I, and I feel like it's, the, it's a gift for them as well, you know, that, that they can feel, uh, that you can try to understand them and see the world through their eyes, I suppose. Mm. Well, I can certainly validate what you're saying from the context of being a mental health worker. Yeah, right. So working yeah. with people who are struggling with mental illness, quite often are hyper vigilant so they're they're always um, they're always aware and alert and they're always monitoring people Mm -hmm. and so when they're hyper alert always monitoring people it's very very easy to pick up on the little nuances of interaction to feel judged when you have a mental illness Mm -hmm. so well and you've lived with like a threat over you the whole time like your whole life that's what i'm talking about when i say coping mechanisms like this is the things people like the behaviors people pick up in order to survive in their environment or whatever and these are the dynamics of of complex trauma yeah somebody who is in an environment where they have to be hyper vigilant hyper aware watching Mm. their back all the time their brain wires so that that's their norm yeah so then as they grow they hyper-vigilant yeah. and hyper-aware and yeah. still watching their back all the time. So, and, 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 and that brings a whole array of, of chemical overloading all the time, yeah. stress, cortisol, yeah. cortisol, yeah, all this sort of stuff happens. And, like, I think as well, if you're, like, you a lot of the time find whatever it is you're looking for, you know, like, I feel like most of the, most things exist out there somewhere um god i'm making this really vague but like okay so like most things exist out there and if you're looking for it you'll find it so like if you're a person that's constantly threatened by the world and you feel like you have to be hyper hyper aware and vigilant um you're gonna find proof of your need to be vigilant as well you know totally like it's gonna be there somewhere and, and this and to a lot of people might be unaware circle. of it but if you feel like you need it then You'll be looking for it and you'll find it and yep. it'll validate your belief. Yep. And, and to go full circle, what I've found is that when I'm working with, with people, that if I don't react to something that they've said or done the way that everybody else seems to react, something magical happens. Mm. There's almost like a... There's almost a dropping of the guard... Yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay, so you're your own person, Adam, and you don't have you know all of of your investment on me and what i'm doing and yeah. so that if i mess up you're not gonna blame me for oh yeah like weird going takes on. the like pressure of judgment off the table sort of thing and the guard comes down yeah, totally. and then all of a sudden the empathy flows and can, i can do get some a really, rapport really, really good work. Real but, I, but i can i can witness it 
in the in a context where, say, for example, I'm working with somebody who has a mental illness and that, that I've got a rapport with them already and someone else external comes into the picture and that person behaves a little bit oddly or strangely yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'll watch this new external person react to that person yeah. and then it just escalates. It just snowballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, well, that's what you you expected me to do. Here you go. I'll give yeah, you more yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, yeah. You think I'm that's crazy? A... You think I'm bizarre? Here's more of Let it. Let me show you. Yeah. Is there a, a name for that and is there a reason for that? You know, like when someone... Because I've noticed it in myself as well. Like if someone's um, got some low expectation of me, say, mm. or some expectation of, um, of... Usually it's some behavior that they disapprove of, right? Mm. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, I knew you'd be like this or I knew you'd do this or whatever. Um, like sometimes you double down on that and you just want to like... They, they, you know, if they've got some disapproving expectation of you, sometimes you just play into that mm -hmm. you're like oh yeah well you know you expect me to do this well here it is twofold or something mm. is there a reason people do that from a psychological perspective well it's probably multifaceted i mean fundamentally the the way that we defend our ego is manifest in many many different ways yeah. so straight up what it, it sounds like to me you're you're describing is your classic ego defense mechanism. Yeah, right. And that's what I would I would call it. Yeah. Uh, I guess the the dynamic as it is specifically, I don't know of a, a, a specific name yeah. to to describe that particular dynamic. Yeah. But it's definitely it's, it's a, a type of ego thing. defense like, mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's well, like you it's know like, who you are, yeah. and and essentially what you, you you're experiencing is somebody pretty much questioning you. Of who, or it's like it's like you're like I know I'm capable of better than this, and this person thinks that I'm not mm. better than whatever you know better than this behavior or something. You know, it's like, oh well, you know, if you think I'm that bad, I'm just going to be that bad or something. You know, like maybe it's sort of it takes away your opportunity to fail if you fail on purpose mm. or something mm. like that. It's like I don't I don't mm. um, you think I'm going to do. X and I think I'm better than X, um, but the fact that you think I'm going to do that, what if I accidentally do it? That would be embarrassing for me. So you know what? I'm just going to do it on purpose, mm. and then it gets it out of the way, and I don't have to feel like I screwed it up. I, yeah, you know, I can be yeah. in control of that. Yeah, that is a yeah. I think you described that really well, man. Maybe. And, <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't, I can't recall. Um, straight away if there's a particular name for that dynamic. Yeah. There should be. I mean, I, be. I like Someone's your... have to have studied it out there, eh? Yeah. I, I mean, it certainly seems like a fairly universal kind of characteristic yeah. of being human that we like might do that. Thing, yeah. I mean, I don't know of any particular terms, but I like your concept of doubling yeah. down. Like if... Um, well, maybe I've just got the same whatever it is that you notice in the people you work with you know maybe it's a, a characteristic that i share with them or something yeah yeah but, well, but i like that term to double down on yeah. on that but it's sort of like um i mean if you're using the the double down term in the context of like a poker term yeah, yeah. you're doing it to win more yeah, yeah here it's almost like a reverse double down yeah yeah you can like almost. lose on purpose yeah, yeah. You know? it's kind of a, but it's but well, yeah, but, but losing on purpose, like, is different to failing, you know? Unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like failing is trying and not succeeding. But, mm. like, 
losing on purpose, like throwing the fight or whatever, you don't have to admit that you weren't up to the challenge or mm. something, you know? Like maybe it's that you get to like short circuit the failure complex. Do you, you know, know? Do you know now that you now that we're talking about this, I, I don't do this a lot. This this reverse double down. You don't? No. I'm um I'm pretty motivated to prove someone wrong. Yeah. They, sure. When they're explicitly demonstrating that their expectation of me is particularly low my natural tendency is to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. Not, and not to play, play that into that. Yeah, I've definitely um, felt both sides of that. I've definitely experienced the wanting to reverse double down and going like, oh, is this like, I can swear on you. I've just realised that I'm like, I'm yeah, kind man. of self-censoring a bit because no. I'm like, I don't know what kind of... No, man, sure. Like, it, what kind of language well, just, I'm, I'm When it gets published, you just there's put this little e for explicit language on it. Oh yeah, yeah. And look, I'm totally okay with it as uh, as long as it's like you know has a has a place and it has meaning behind it. And yeah. It's not just frivolous. Yeah, use sure, of, sure. Of cussing. Yeah, well, um, like I don't know. Then I'll tell you what. I was, yeah, okay. <laughs> so you can keep me in line. I'm like, you know, I realized that when I. I was going to do like a bit of a self-quote sort of thing be like, oh, well, you know, you think I'm going to fail? Well, fuck it, I'll just fail then, you know? Yeah. like, And like that's the kind Bring of thing on. that I'd... <laughs> Bring it on. You know? <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I'd, I'd say if I was like doing a pretend self-quote or something. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's where I was going with that anyway. Is like, I've noticed that um, the fine then I'll just, I'll fail on purpose, mm. you know, to prove you right or something you know so you can you know if you want me to fail so badly here have it you know and do you um, think that that's your default to do that i'm not sure because i, I said I've my default the, is to yeah, prove them wrong i've definitely felt the other side as well and yeah. i'm a pretty ambitious and like determined person it's funny that i'd use my use that word to describe myself and we're talking about determinism before but like i find myself a pretty determined person um you know and i well, that's what cards you got dealt, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing the best you can with what you got. That's right, exactly. And like, um, you know, I, I tend to, to be the prove them wrong sort of person as well. I definitely noticed both of those responses in me um, mm -hmm. at, at different occasions. And I don't know what the trigger is for either of them. I think maybe... No, I don't know, you know? I don't know what what, what situation... Maybe Maybe the trigger is... If I think I'm capable, then I prove you wrong. If I think I'm not capable, I take the easy way out. Yeah. Go, well, fine okay. then. Fine then. If you think I'm going to fail, I'll just fail then. And then I get to short circuit actually failing. Maybe that's what the difference is, you know? If, yeah. if I'm in a situation where I believe whether you've convinced me or whether I always knew it, mm. but if I've now got the impression that I'm not capable of this, maybe I'll go yep. and I'll cop out. So what you're describing, to try and not, you know, not. Is, it's it's a very common psychological dynamic. Yeah. So from memory, uh, it was originally studied by a guy named Robert Zoyance. Say that again. <laughs> surname. You read it, and it sound it looks like Zajonk, Z A J O N C. I'm pretty sure, but it's pronounced Zoyance. Wow. Robert is it Zoyance, like East European or something I think it's French. like that? It's oh, really? French. Yeah. Um, and he, he was the master of studying what's called the mere exposure effect. So he is one of the grandfathers of social psychology huh. 
who was interested in how people might act differently when there's some kind of social influence happening. So he studied the dynamics of this in all different conditions. So he looked at things like, uh, you know, proximity, like where people are living and, you know, whether they have to go past people's houses to get to the bus stop. Like he looked at all different kind of conditions. But uh, one of the the most uh, important things that came out of his work was this effect that you're describing where I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that it's I'm pretty sure that it's a uh, it's a subset of the mere exposure effect in which he purported that when we're being watched so when we've got <coughs> social influence yeah yeah when we're doing something that we're good at we actually do better at it Hmm. But when we're being watched, so we have that social influence, and we're doing something that we're not good at, we do worse at it. Yeah, right. And that's the effect of that social influence. Wow. That's the and social that's like, psychology of it. Um, so who determines whether we're good at something? Is that uh, the feeling that we have about the thing that we do after we compare ourselves to other people? Well, it would be completely subjective. Yeah, I mean, some it'd it, have it to would be right. and it'd be, but that'd be socially influenced as well. Whether you think you're totally. good at something or not is going to be from comparison. But but completely dependent upon your locus of control. So this is a term that is describing where is your motivating core. Is it, are you motivated more by outside or are you motivated more by inside? Right. Essentially, your locus of control. And there'd so have if, to be if a your locus of control is exter- more yeah. external, you would be much more interested in what other people thought of you. So you would be much more influenced by their opinions oh, of, of it's you. It's so hard to not be, you know, like, I feel like they'd, like, what conditions creates a person whose locus of control is more internal than external? Like, I feel like the, they'd have to be both in, maybe not equal measure, but both in, you know, you have to have both of those influences, of course. I believe to be balanced, you do. Yeah. But... Yeah, you, you've got to care about what people think of you. We're social creatures. Mm. We're, we're a social animal. Like, it's... I think, you know, I mean, even when... But like this, maybe this is a classic. It was like a high school realization sort of thing. But like, you know, the people, even the people who say, "I don't care what other people think of me," like, if you really didn't care, then you wouldn't <laughs> you have wouldn't even bothered that. saying that. You obviously want to, like, you want me to have the impression that you yeah. don't care, and that's the thing that you care about being known yeah. about you, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but that's like, you know, you well, must. It must be both of those things in some amount. Well, what what I believe that we're talking about now, bro, has really deep roots right down to the split of East and West culture. Oh, yeah? So fundamentally, the reasons that we have these different cultures that we call East and West, it's primarily characterised by the East being a collectivist state mm. and the East being mm. more individualistic. And individuals, yeah. So to me, um, if you take it, strip it down to that I feel like East and Factor. West is a bit of a misnomer, though. Like, I feel like that's uh, an oversimplification because, like, it I is. mean, there's, you know... Especially now. Like, What do you mean now? Why now? Now at this time where we have technology, where we can talk to people oh, yeah, on video sure. call yeah, across no the other side of the world, we can get on a plane and be in the East and 
cultures yeah. within a matter of hours. Yeah, 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 for sure. So there's a lot of... But I mean, even further than that, like, um, there's been plenty of collectivist thinkers from what we'd consider the West, you know, like Karl Marx obviously is a pretty strong example of someone who's a collectivist, like, and he's a German, so mm. very West, but not what we typically associate with Western culture. You know, so like the dominant culture here so is individualist is, for sure. This, this is non-research. Non it's just purely thoughts and opinions here. And just by the way, man, I, I love this. <laughs> this <laughs> this too, is man. so good yeah, to yeah. be talking about. Oh, totally. And not, not, <laughs> not draw on research and stuff, but just actually just share my opinion. Speculate and so, have it, yeah. And, and I don't know if I've ever really, really talked about this before. So my... my belief is if if we we strip east and west down to merely like the conceptual factors of it so there's this we've got a world and the world's starting to polarize and there's characteristics between each camps let's just give them a name let's call them a and b instead of east and west mm -mm -mm. All left and right. All perhaps. left and right. Black <laughs> we and wide we tend to binary binary or, eyes or whatever. <laughs> or, what, or whatever. Yeah. So, to, from from my understanding, and this is a whole other conversation, and one that I think is very worth while having at some stage. Yeah, yeah. But m I've I've done a fair bit of studying, and I do have a degree in anthropology as well. Oh really? So, yeah. So I got an opportunity. And to, psychology. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, sick. Yeah, and one day I hope to do a PhD in anthro. Yeah. I mean, you just have Tanil on here as well and talk to her about anthropology. She's. Did she do anthro? She's one subject away from graduating. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah I didn't I did my bachelor of psych, my bachelor of anthro, and then I did my honors in psych. But anthro wow. is something that real I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Know, yeah. Me too. So so in anthro, and. We and in psychology, in like I guess evolutionary psychology, you know, we do see the main characteristics that are difference between East and West as being the West sort of fragmented off of the tribe that mm -hmm, was just mm. people and started and atomizing. Starting, and what did you say? Atomizing, you know, like reducing down to the single Singular. rather than um, the collective. And yeah. that's why fundamentally it's individualistic. Yeah. So you've got. So you've it's got such this, a mistake, this <laughs> it fragmented off, and it created yeah. this this individual. Mm. And so, I believe that you know through uh, the 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 time of, of Christ and the the uh, development of uh, you know Western religion and, and philosophy, uh, eventually it got to a stage where you know there was this dude Karl Marx and. You know, he was a, a real critical analyzer of culture and of society, and he, mm. so that's what he did. That's what flowed through him. He wrote about it, and yeah. and I believe that a lot of what he wrote about was commentary about what was wrong in the West. Yeah, exactly. That was that's my understanding yeah. of it. And it's I'm a like, critical and, analysis of well, of capitalism, but of also cap of other things as well. Fundamentally, it was yeah. the individual state, really. Yeah. Um, the problems that, that were inherent with it. Now, and I, and I haven't, you know, I've, I've read a fair bit of Marx, but oh, really? that's my okay. general understanding of it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> so, sorry, I did, a, I did a joint anthro and sociology degree. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. Sick. Very cool. So I've actually done a fair bit of sociology too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my belief, right, is he created this doctrine, um, Das Kapital, and all of these ideas that were a critical analysis of the West at the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, were published and the ideas disseminated. Yeah. And that is what Hitler used as 
essentially an, an instruction manual to create the, the group mentality that then went on to come up with this idea that they needed to rid the world of all of the um, inferior yeah. races but and that's just another superior kind of like race. Hitler's like whole idea of superiority and of, um, you know, of basically creating an other to fight against. Um, but that's just another kind of atomization. Like nationalize, uh, nationalism is just another kind of atomization. It's saying us and them, you know, it's not us and us. It's not all of us. It's like Germans and not Germans or blonde hair, blue eyed people and not blonde hair, blue eyed people. Like um, it's reducing a multiplicity down to a singular again, you know, like I feel like, and from what I understand of Hitler, he wasn't, you know, he didn't really take a great deal of um, like Marx's um, like social or economic observations in, you know, like they, they called themselves the National Socialist Party, but there was nothing particularly socialist about mm. the about the political and economic system that they're establishing. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Like I think Hitler used things like the popularity of Marx's ideas and of socialism in general to try to get people on side, but didn't he didn't enact any of those policies mm. particularly, at least in my understanding of it. Very yeah. Yeah, it was very more much of a, so. Yeah, more of an abuse of those things than a um, than an uh, an enacting of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I admittedly, like, I don't probably know enough. I oh, mean, either just for the record, <laughs> Nazi Nazi Germany yeah. specifically, um, but fundamentally, it's a very interesting point that you make that it is like the term you used was atomizing. Like, like, correct, there's a group, and then you're narrowing it down. Yeah. Um, that is that is a perspective that it I haven't it, really given a great deal of thought. It does to. bind people together, though. Like the best. Well, this is the thing. Like there, and there is the other side of the coin. Yeah. And this is something that I have been longing to have good conversations about because it's it's rattling inside of me, man. Fundamentally, there was a group identity that was yeah. created. Yeah, yeah. In that process, mm. and that group identity essentially was responsible for killing millions and millions of Jews. Yeah. Because that they didn't oh. fit that group identity. And blacks and gays and, and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. And then, not to mention, after Auschwitz got tidied up, then we had communist Russia follow suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then communist China and whoever else thought that, you know, it was a good idea to create a master race. Right. So... Admittedly, I'm a little bit. It's the thing that humans do. Like, it's not. It's not our, uh, one of our better qualities. Yeah. Um, but like, it is a thing that we do. And like, I think it was one of the American presidents, like years and years ago, was like, I'm probably going to butcher it. But there's like a quote. I can't remember who it was, but he was sort of basically saying that like, it's not until aliens invade that we're going to have a proper kind of unity because we need like culture, yeah. we need a common enemy we need yes. um, a shared threat that we can band together against yeah. and like and I think that threat should be climate change personally like if there was ever a time for us to join forces and, and sort our shit out and fix what's the problem um, god damn it like there's a pretty big problem mm. out there that we're just not really addressing very well at the moment you know yeah, yeah. and it sort of ties back into capitalism and whatever else as well if you want to if you want to go there <laughs> well i do want to go there and i'd really love to hear your, your thoughts around climate change and, and other stuff that's important to you um I, I do really feel compelled at this stage to just point out to you something that's coming up within me that 
I think what I'm starting to sense is the emergence of a need to be flexible. So sometimes we need to um, be completely individual and stand up as a sovereign being. You know, when we know that something is wrong and, you know, there's a group who are, uh, I guess, um, perpetuating that wrongness, mm. as an individual sometimes we may have to step up and yeah. go, this is wrong. Um, but there are other times when, you know, the, it is important to, to have solidarity and unity yeah. as a group. Yeah. And I think being able to be flexible and, and being able to discern <clears throat> when it's appropriate totally. to be individual yeah. and when it's appropriate to actually be unified as Absolutely. a group like is, is to me the way forward. For sure. Um, there's definitely a difference between... Um, but, like, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely a difference between, like, um, being... Um, there, there's a real good um, Nietzsche quote as well um, and I don't remember off the top of my head I have it on a patch on a bag of mine but um, basically saying that God is dead? <laughs> it's what is it God is dead? No, it's not that <laughs> It's, um, it's, Damn, it's something about um, oh, Hang on, I'll just look it up <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's worth, we, we can do that We've got technology here No, it's worth it's worth me getting it right, just because it's like it's such a good one, and it's it's so true and so. Um, Oops, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. I haven't read a lot. Read a lot, um, but like it's so important. This um, this particular quote, like, was um, it's important to me anyway for my um, and for my like in my personal life and whatever and for mm. my own outlook on things um, and the way I conduct myself um, publicly. But, um, but for this conversation as well, it's like it's really important to say, um, give me a sec and mm. I'll find it and we can sort of go into why I think this is so important as well. Sure. sure. Man, we haven't even done an introduction yet. This is so <laughs> cool. We're just like straight into it. Like, this, is, this is the way I want it to I'll be, man. I am in a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to it. So here's the quote, ready? Um, the individual has always had to struggle to keep from being overwhelmed by the tribe. If you try it, you will be lonely often and sometimes frightened, but no price is too high to pay for the privilege of owning yourself. And I'm like, yeah, that, that shit's like, like yes. goosebumps, sort of like hair-raising. Yeah. And, like, and it's so important because it's like, I mean, oh, there's man. a certain like tribalism developing in, in with a globalised society. I guess people are looking for belonging and looking to try and... Uh, find people you relate to and people you can call your people. Um, and, and I think that's like manifesting in some pretty ugly behavior like neo-Nazism and nationalism and, and these sorts of like things. Um, and even in like people who are people who I think the at the core of this quote for me is like people over identifying with what they think they are or what they think yeah. they know. Yes. Um, and that and like and if you over identify those things and you like create you create an other you create a, a me and mine and a them and like and it's as soon as you've sort of created that you've started dehumanizing whatever the other is yep. and you lose that understanding you know we're saying understanding is like such an important gift to be able to give a person um and as soon as you like draw a line in the sand and you say i'm on this side of it and the others are on the other side of that um, you've already started dehumanizing them, and you've already ruled out the uh, the option and, of and that's um, the kind of of relating to them. That's and the kind of, of understanding. group tribal behavior that isn't necessarily totally. going to manifest productive 
beneficial and adaptive outcomes. Exactly. And you're like, and that's the kind of thing that the individual needs to stand up against. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a toughie, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a hippie and I've always rolled in pretty hippie circles and like there's a lot of, in every sub, you know, in every like sub, what do you call them? Like culture. Subculture, yeah. In every subculture there's like certain dogma that people follow or whatever and like if you find yourself in, you know, in disagreement with whatever the dogma is of your subculture and you feel compelled to speak out against that, you face ostracization, mm. you know, ostracization. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you face being cast out of the tribe, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and like Nietzsche says, you know, it's like, it's, you'll be lonely often, you know, like you're yeah. going to, um, if you're the one person that stands up for whatever it is, you know, yeah. and it sucks if you're going to be the one person who stands up against um, your racist mates or your sexist mates or whatever it is, um, you're going you're gonna to be going against the group and yep. it's it's always awkward if you're the one racist in a group you're gonna feel that kind of lonely as yeah. well you know like yes. when all your mates turn on you and go you can't you act like that you can't behave like that or whatever yeah um but sometimes you have to be that person if you feel like you're on the right side of things yeah that flexibility i think is just yeah, yeah. the key yeah I yeah it's really it's really what i'm starting to sense is is the practical way forward yeah. You know, if you find yourself at odds with whatever's going on, then you need to really look at what arena are you really in. You know, if, if things aren't flowing and you're not aligned with your truth, it could be that you've taken on the group identity and you're not actually being your true self. Yeah, and it's like you're... Um, oh, no, bugger, lost the thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, know thyself, you know, like, it's about knowing yourself, yeah. you know, like, and knowing what your values are and, and what, uh, what narrative you believe in, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, But that sort of is what establishes the tribe, I guess, like, is, is yeah. having that shared, um, shared belief in whatever the narrative is. So then we kind of went away from glo uh, That's okay. <laughs> from climate we'll change. Because we can always get back <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But something's come up for me that, I feel like I want to ask you. Go for it. Um, what's your your cultural background, bro? Because you, you're indigenous, aren't you? No, I'm um, Caribbean. Car Caribbean. Yeah, my dad's Caribbean, and my mum's like, it's really it's funny, right? Like my um, my sort of family tree is. Uh, my mum looked back up the family tree and found out how we ended up coming to Australia, um, yeah. or how the white side of my family ended up coming to Australia. Um, I had a, a great, 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 great. Uh, grandfather or something, you know, somewhere way back up there, um, yeah. stole a pair of boots and was shipped off to the colonies. It was like almost that classic stole a loaf of bread to feed my family situation, you know, like yeah. somewhat, you know, poor, a poor man in, um, in, uh, in London. London in town. The, yeah, in the whatever's, 1800s <laughs> or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like um, some sort of, yeah, in, in a, you know, in a situation of poverty, stole a pair of boots, got shipped to Australia, um, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. Um, and the other side, the black side of my family is um, from the Caribbean, so obviously they've been brought there as slaves from the slave trade back in the day. So I have like either side of my family is like slaves and convicts, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, shipped shipped to an, the other side of the of the world um, in a in a situation they couldn't control, um, you know. And then the rest is history, you know. So do you identify with that that Caribbean side? 
and I've, spend I, time there? I've, I've got a bit of like a, with the culture. No, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, like I have a you know I listen to and I DJ a lot of like reggae and dancehall and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the closest connection I have to the culture of the Caribbean islands. Mm-hmm. Um, but my I've got a pretty um, a bit of a funny relationship to my racial identity, I guess. Um, Cause like I've grown up in Australia, like I grew up in small indigenous, like indigenous, uh, small towns in indigenous areas in the Northern Territory um, for like, my, you know, my first sort of 13 years or so. Um, and then I came to Cairns, which is also uh, an area that has pretty high indigenous population. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've like, I've grown up being like, you know, a, I don't know, a light skinned dark person or, you know, dark skinned white person. Like I've grown up as a bit of a, um, a bit of a, a mongrel <laughs> in, mm-hmm. um, in areas that have a lot of indigenous populations. So like, I mean, I've, I feel like I have never quite had an identity as such in that respect. Um, you know, like I think a, that's a lot special, of us, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's really special. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of like you know I'm I'm like you know dark enough to get followed around the shops, you know, <laughs> um, you know, in some sort of in, in experiencing some sort of like of maybe the lighter end of racism. Yeah. Um, but I'm not that dark that I've ever experienced full blown racism the yeah, way right, um, yeah. the way some other people might. Um, so like I've I've you know I've sort of got a, enough in me to fit in in most places perhaps, yeah, you know, yeah. at least well, um, well, aesthetically. Thank, thank you for, for sharing your background with us yeah, yeah. and from what you've shared, I think you're more than, than qualified to be able to have a good discussion about what, what I wanted to bring up Okay. in context with what we were just talking about. But I have worked with a lot of Indigenous people and I have certainly come across people who are in situations where because of the group identity of Indigenous people is so critical, it's so central to their whole world, Mm. that when they probably needed to actually step out of that and represent themselves as a sovereign individual, Mm. they were completely unable to do it. It rendered them disadvantaged. So, you know, without, without... Getting too far into things like I, I used to work at the prison. Yeah. So I, I at Lotus. I was yeah, yeah. I was I was up at the prison in, as a counselor. So yeah. I was counselling counselling people. So yeah, uh, I would often have conversations like this. So in, for example, a prison setting, mm. when you've got particularly like young young Indigenous. Well, actually, no, it's not just particularly young. It's probably actually more older right. Indigenous people, and they're in a cell. And they don't have their family around. This is all men as well. All men. Yep. All men. Yeah. So is Lotus only men? Or? It okay. is. Yeah. 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 So when they have no family around them, they don't really have any real reference for how to orientate themselves. So yeah. they really suffer. They really struggle. Yeah. That's such a massive cultural thing for Indigenous people, at least with um, the Indigenous people that I've had experience with. Like most of my experience was with the Yolngu in um, in Arnhem Land, northeast Arnhem Land, in That's the territory. Right, yeah. um, and like, yeah, like their whole, the way they relate to basically everything is through their kinship structure. Yeah. Like, it's not like, um, oh, this is my brother and this is my mom or whatever. Like, there's no sort of, like the nuclear family, or at least the way that, um, that you, the European way of, um, of like 
of understanding a family structure is different to the to different to the young way. Yeah, yeah, and like, um, but like their way extends beyond their. Um, beyond their nuclear family and to their wider family, but then beyond that and to the environment around them. So mm-hmm. um, they sort of relate to plants and animals uh, in a similar way to the way that they relate to family. And the that's not to say that, that like, yeah. this is literally my mum or something. Um, you know, this, this uh, kangaroo or whatever isn't literally my mum, but it's like it sort of is related to in that way. Like it fits yeah. into the role um, somehow like, or it's, it's oriented in a social way, in a similar way to the way you'd orient socially. Um, and so, like, I think when Indigenous people are pulled out of their family structure, you know, like, when you when you meet in... If you're going to be... Um, if you, like, meet Indigenous person or whatever and you're sort of going to be sharing any sort of intimacy or in any, like, sort of, um, like, routine... If you're going to be, like, routinely involved in their life, like... Um, a lot of the times they'll uh, they'll like have to give you a familial role, like they'll give you a, a, a position in the family so that they know how to relate to you. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. they're like, how do you fit into our society? Yeah. You're not anything to me. You need to be an uncle or a or a yeah. cousin or a brother. Like you need to have some sort of place that I can that I can place you into the structure of our society. Yeah. Um, so I think like when, they, you know, I'm not surprised that when they, when someone who has a way of relating to the world like that is plucked out of that situation and put into a room full of strangers, uh, they have no way of orienting themselves, you know? Like yeah, it must yeah. be just such yeah. a, like a stressful experience. It's so overwhelming for some of them. Mm. But, I mean, given that you, you evidently, you've got some really good insight into the, these family structures and, and what you've just shared with us. Mm. Do you believe that, I guess, the... What's the right way to put it? Um, and can I just say, maybe... Um, I'm a person that has sort of... I've studied a little bit of this stuff at university in Darwin, um, and so I have, like, uh, you know, a second-hand knowledge of this stuff, but I don't presume to speak for Indigenous people. I just need to put yep. that out there as well because yeah, you sure, can't thanks, know it man. unless you've lived it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can read it in a book and you can talk to people about it and you can, yeah. you know, you can experience it second-hand, but unless you're in it, you, yeah, yeah, you, you don't, don't know, know it. it. And, know? and I guess that's why, because I'm certainly not, I, I'm not Indigenous, and mm. so I'm not in it, and but I do have a lot to do with indigenous people yeah, it yeah. fascinates me and I, and I really love talking about it so I, yeah. what, I, what I'll actually what I'm actually talking about I'll actually share with you what what an indigenous person shared with me yeah. that will that will point out my point a little bit more clearly yeah. so um, so I have a I have a friend who is a very successful person in their own right they were born in a very small re- remote indigenous town and they study and worked hard and they ended up getting out of there and studying further and having a lot of influence, in particularly in terms of them representing their indigenality within all sorts of different arenas. Now, because that person did that, when they go back to their home place, they are almost shunned like an outsider, hey? an outsider yeah. now because because they've actually 
they've done something for themselves as an individual. Right. Oh, so that's where we were going with you've, this. You know, they, so yeah, they, yeah. they go back and they, they, they get pointed at and you, you, you're not one of us anymore because yeah. you went and did something for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I've had people try and explain, more than, more than you know, pro- probably half a dozen people that I've had really deep conversations, Indigenous yep. people who've shared this with me. Yeah. And they're sharing it with me partly because, you know, I, I hopefully I'm conducive to that sort of depth of conversation. Yeah, but yeah. I think partly they really want to vent it too. Like they don't understand it. It's like mm. they've done something so fantastic and they've worked so hard, yet yeah. they're not even accepted by their own people. I feel like that's um, not unique to... Um, you know, to the people... I, I think that's not unique to people who have grown up in, like, this Indigenous um, kinship structure or whatever. Like, I, you know, you always hear about that with people who have gone and... And it's... I think it's most common as well, like, if you've gone away from your home and done something big and then when you come back, mm-hmm. there's always a you-forgot-where-you-came-from sort of a vibe as well, you yeah. know? Like, and yeah, I, I don't sure. know, maybe a... a part of that at least is like some kind of jealousy or something, you know, yeah. where it's like, or, you know, some kind of envy where it's like, why you and not me, you know? Yeah. And I agree. Why? I agree with that. In this particular context, I'm, I'm specifically talking here about a dynamic where the, these people that have actually shared this with me yeah. have very literally said it's because in our culture everyone relates to Isn't each other from together. this group and yeah. I've gone off and done something individual and now I'm shut yeah. now. Yeah. So, so partly the reason why I'm bringing this up is in, our, in the context of our conversation around tribalism yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and um, atomization. Yeah. Um, that in, in the context of some groups when the group identity is almost the only thing that's relatable... Uh, I, I have seen evidence where that's not actually a positive thing. Right. It's actually made some really challenging dynamics emerge out mm. of it. So, for example, like there's one person I'm thinking of particularly yeah. um, who particularly I'm sure you'd know. Sort of who is, yeah, if, you okay, t- yeah. if I told you the name, you'd, you'd probably know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the things that she could and still is probably going to do for her people is just going to be so beneficial and advantageous to them. Yeah. Um, they've just done so much incredible work. And right now, whatever they're offering back to their people is not even being accepted because at the moment she's an outsider. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They're an outsider. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, 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 I think in, in time, it may be integra- integratable. Like I think that she, yeah. there'll be in the capacity to be able to bring the, the fruits of her labour back and eventually the people will sort of accept it. But right now, yeah. they're not, they're not even willing like... to accept the goodness that she's bringing back. Yeah, yeah. Because... No, you left us, stay you, away. You're not... You're, not, you're not one of us. You're not one oh, of us man. And, like, and I think like that's um, maybe like a relic from situations that have passed now. You know, like there's that kind of... Um, Maybe that kind of like sort of hyper collectivist sort of social structure. Yeah, totally. It would have been super useful back in the day. Um, But in like a globalized world, and like, and that's a double edged sword as well. You know, it's like, it's partly we're in a globalized world now. So maybe that um, sort of, you know, uh, like sort of, you know, obedience to to such a tight structure or whatever 
is you know is inflexible like you were saying you know and maybe that's not as beneficial in given the environmental circumstances we find ourselves in i.e globalization and whatnot um but like i don't necessarily think that i'm not saying that a globalized world is a better world either though you know mm. i'm not saying that necessarily what we've got going on now is better than what we had going on um but it's definitely different and maybe that um inability to to roll with the changes is going to hold people back in certain ways you know like inability like to roll the, with the changes yeah, yeah. yeah. So the like them not in, wanting to let yeah inflexibility and, and that's why yeah. I, I go back to for me it's about being flexible it's having yeah. the, the more we develop our capacity to be flexible i think we'll have a better chance but i depend you know like yeah and I guess you've sort of made the distinction already, but I feel like it bears repeating. Like mm -hmm. you're talking about flexibility um, in flexibility in social structure, I guess, rather than personal flexibility in your values or morals or whatever, you know, like, because um, I think, you know, like f personal, I guess personal flexibility, the way I'm sort of picturing it, um, would be not really standing for anything, you know, and just going with whatever is happening at the time, which is more cl closer to the tribalism that we were talking about, and it's just going with the collective. Um, but uh, I guess a flexibility in um, in dealing with... Keep going, man. I think you're onto something really important <laughs> it's on the here, tip mate. of my brain. <laughs> I think you're. I think I'm, you're dead right. So that 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 <laughs> solid individual core. So if we your can values say and what it's, you care about, exactly, or it's characterized by core value. Like you do have to be open to change with that. You know. You know what you I'd say. Open to change as yeah. the information comes to you, light. You know what I'd say though. The difference between being like like flexible or, or sort or of like, open to change. Yeah. I think. I think open to change in the middle, flexible on one side, but on the other side, I think it's reviewable. Is kind yeah, of yeah, totally. I, you know, so that you, it's the you know, it's like things. applying the scientific method to like your value system. Yeah. You know, like as yeah. new uh, insights and information becomes available, you have to be able to change critically to move, analyze you know, it, and and not and that kind and of cons. yeah, and that kind of inflexibility where you can't change your values. Like, I don't know, this sort of contradicts what I said before, but, like, in, inflexibility with your values is kind of yeah. tribalism as well, you know? Like, it's like I'm unwilling to reconsider my position on this because... Would you mean in that that the, your value system then is that of the groups? Yeah, in that, in that circumstance, I suppose. And like, you're... And that's, I, that's a little bit like what I'm trying to actually highlight. Yeah, here. I've made a mess of this in my head a little no, bit. but um, I think we're talking about some pretty complicated topics, though. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you've forgiven, man. It needs <laughs> yeah. to be teased like, out. I've, yeah, yeah. And, I've, and, I've, and I think, like, there's... Uh, trying to sort of, like, make a universal, like, an axiom out of this is, I think, problematic because we're, we're applying it in different circumstances here and it, yeah. and it, doesn't, it doesn't translate. But, like, I guess... Um, one of my values, maybe I can put it like this, one of my values is being able to review my values, you know, and I think that that's a value that shouldn't be reviewed. <laughs> like the one value you that's shouldn't cool, review like a, that's a cool is, the, is the valuing, reviewing your values, you know. Um, I you, have to be, you have to be able to say, I was wrong about this. Yeah. 
I was wrong. I thought this one thing because I've been told it my whole life yeah. or because I read a, you know, a really convincing article on the internet. Yes. Or, but now that I know more I about I read something this on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now that I know more about this particular topic, I feel like um, I need to go back on my previous mm. position on this. Like that's super important. And yes. that's the kind of thing that's lacking a lot from discussion and conversation and from like um you know from people in general and like i don't know and and with social media and globalizing this is why globalization and like these this sort of like glut of communication technology that we have now isn't always a good thing like you can always find someone out there who believes the nonsense thing that you believe and then that just confirms that some you know you find that belonging in a place where maybe there shouldn't be belonging you know like in racism for instance or maybe in like Mm say flat earth theory or something, you know, like you find someone out there who also believes that the earth is flat. And then because there's 7 billion of us and like over a billion of us have, is it something like that? Over a billion people have access to the internet, right? There's got to be, even if it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent, there's going to be tens, tens of thousands of people out there that agree much. with whatever, yeah. whatever it is you think. Yeah, there's you some know, truth to you that. You can think yeah. something ridiculous, but because of the volume of people on the planet, even if only the slightest fraction of a percent agree with you, that's going to be thousands of people. <laughs> and we have access. We can communicate with each other about that now, and we can we can you know provide some of that confirmation and that belonging, and yeah. Uh, yeah. which is a good thing if you're if you have a particular interest that not many people have. You know, if you're like. Um, if you're into some weird, bizarre kind of, you know, music that repels most people, but there's, you know, a quarter of a percent of people agree, uh, appreciate that kind of music, then you're going to find a community of people out there that you can hang out with and talk about that. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. But like, if you think that Hitler didn't go far enough, <laughs> then and maybe you can also find a community of people out there that also agree with that, which is sort of unfortunate for the rest of the world. <laughs> and that, that, that effect, yeah, that, that is, it's really worth pointing out um, how we, we can conform to a group. And, and a lot of that sort of dynamic is all unconscious processing. It's things that happen not necessarily with us sitting down thinking, oh, I identify with this group. I'm going to go spend more time with them. It's all oh, yeah, for sure. the motivation is yeah. unconscious and yeah. you're driven without thinking about There's it. There's a lot of people who don't... Um, possess the uh, a, like a level of introspection or self-reflection um, that would enable them to notice that they're doing that and I'm sure we all do that um, to greater to or lesser degrees most and, certainly, yeah. and in different circumstances you can easily get carried away with the situation and not even think about it until yeah. you're in it and yeah. then you just sort of like you know it's like blacking out or something you know you just wake up at some point and be like how did i get here (laughs) like i don't know i'm sure um well i I would like to think and maybe it's the optimist in me that thinks this but i'd like to think that there'd have to be a few people who snapped to with a tiki torch in their hand and were like what am i doing here (laughs) this was a mistake to come here i'm not this person You know, I'm sure that's happening every day. Bro. I'm sure it's happened. It but must some, have happened. You know, it's, it, we're 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 influen- we're influenceable. You know, yeah. But so coming back to something that that you just said, I think it's really worth exploring a little bit more. And I really resonated when you mentioned how 
um, I can't exactly remember the words, but you, you purported the idea that a lot of people don't seem to review their values. Yeah. Um, I want to share with you that as a, as a psychologist, people not reviewing their values is probably one of the major reasons that people have mental health issues. Right. To share with you on an anecdotal yeah. kind of level. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just I believe, in a conflict, hey? Like. I, I believe that one of the biggest causes of particularly depression and most certainly anxiety, the major distinctions between depression and anxiety, is that depression is a fixation about the past. Anxiety is a fixation on worry for the future. Yep, yep. Um, major, well, I believe that they are solely created because there's a value system which used to work but it is no longer yeah. relevant yeah. and there is a fixation on trying to maintain that those values are still true. I still really believe yeah, in those yeah, values. Yeah. And so many people, like you say, do not sit down and review, well, is that value really something it's that I value anymore? anymore? Is it serving yeah. me? Yeah, is, am I getting anything from this? Because like, there's like, I feel like there's maybe um, like... I don't know why we get attached to these things when they don't work anymore, you know? it's Maybe it's just comforting to not... It sucks to be well, you wrong. Know, I you, think it you, just sucks to be wrong, you know? Like, you know yeah. the, what the autonomic nervous system is, yeah, bro? Uh, no. I mean, I'm familiar with the phrase, but... And I know it's got something to do with your, with your brain. So, so we have nervous system inside of us and the nervous system essentially is, is split up into different subsystems. Yeah. So there is a part of our nervous system which is responsible for the automatic process. It's the heartbeat and the breathing and all of that exactly. stuff, right? Yeah, okay. Cool. And that system also looks after our like fight or flight system right. as well. Right. So essentially what we're talking about this system is really responsible for overall is our habits. So the things that we don't have to think about that happen below the threshold of awareness, yeah. this system is, is kind of responsible for. Right. So you can imagine that it's very functional to have a system within our body that looks after all that stuff. Mm. Because if we have to stop <coughs> and think every time we need to pump our heart yeah, to make yeah, blood yeah, go around, yeah. we wouldn't really be able to do that much. No. So to have a system that, that takes care of all this sort of stuff is very, very important. So at some stage, you know, we had a, a system of self-protection, of ego yeah, defense yeah, yeah. All, all set up. Yeah. And these values is what essentially maintained these these yeah. protections. Yeah. So they're when literally... When the world was like less, was more predictable and less sort of the change was happening maybe a little slower than it is today. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they were much more stable. Those, like technology is outpacing biology oh, just in a crazy so way. So much so. You know? So just to finish off what I'm saying, yeah. like those those values which we we essentially develop in our neurology, in our nervous systems, yeah. the, the habitual values, yeah, yeah, yeah. we develop them as habitual values because they have some survival yeah, purpose, pra like, yeah. practicality, utility for yeah. us. Yeah. So when you say like why you know why we're attached to them, like it's not a conscious attachment. No. It's below the level of, of Yeah, awareness. but sometimes it is. It's like you yeah, okay, maybe the attachment happen, happens below the level of awareness, but people definitely um, have a value challenged and then run out and find evidence for their value. 
you know, as a way of um, not having to let go of that value. Yeah. You know, like people, I don't know, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but, you know, like racism is a good one, I suppose. You know, people like to believe that there is... Like oh, I, don't, I don't know if that is actually a good one because I, I don't know if there's any justification for racism. No, no, I don't, I don't think it's a good uh, example of a value. I think it's a good example of a value that um, people find, that people seek out evidence to reaffirm. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I mean. I, I, I certainly I haven't come across anyone who would actually want to affirm it. But I'm affirm sure their own racism. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there are problems. Absolutely. Yeah, man, yeah. if you've ever been on the internet, people are like coming up with nonsense reasons all the time for why they, um, why their particular really? view of a particular race is justified. Seriously? Absolutely. To be honest, I, I try and stay away from <laughs> that sort of... I, I just... Yeah, it's, it's just worth... You're not, yeah, you're not missing yeah. much. Um, but like... But people... People do. Um, I, I don't know. I've gotten into a habit recently of like... Um, you know, just trying to grind these stones you know, and polish these stones up a lot, um, you know, like a lot of the things we're talking about now, um, you know, like individualism versus individuality or like, um, you know, versus collectivism and then like, um, and like free speech and, uh, you know, and racism and political policy and a lot of these things like... Um, you know, a lot of these sort of social and political change issues. Um, I've, I, I listen to like a lot of, I listen and watch a lot of debates on YouTube and on podcasts and stuff to try and like understand both sides of these arguments and, and mm. why people um, have the opinions that they have on whatever the subject might be. Um, and yeah, and there's a lot of people out there with a lot of really misguided and unscientific um, explanations for why the world is the way it is. Yeah. Um, and and they've already made up their mind about the thing. And this is the inflexibility again. Mm. Like, they've made up their mind about the thing. And then to confirm that, they go out and find evidence of the thing. And like we were saying before, if you look for it, you'll find it, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it might not be a true representation of the thing, but you can, you can twist it into that if you want it to fit, you know. You can sort of cram that round peg into the square ho hole if you need to, mm. um, you know. And it's... It, I think that it's it's further from reality. It's further removed from what what you might call truth. Mm. Um, but people will do it to reaffirm a value or a, or a yeah. thought or an understanding about a particular thing. You yeah. Know? So and, and maybe the attachment happens below the conscious level, but people definitely try to find supporting evidence for a thing that they want to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that feels to me like what's being discussed in circles in intellectual circles at the moment is the identity politics. Mm. And when you were saying before about people online having having conversations and yeah. I, I'm realising that I, I just... I don't find identity politics having any utility in, in uh, yeah. my world. Like, I don't... I don't so maybe um, if we're going to talk about it, you can start by explaining to me what you see as being identity politics sure so so what what you were just describing then in terms of uh we use the the, the race example so you've got a discussion that's happening online and happen it's just happens to sort of be around the topic of race and somebody has a really staunch opinion about it and then they'll go to no ends to be able to try and 
uh, affirm their position or, or their point. Um, in a sense, the whole game of that discussion is the politics part, mm. but the way that they're playing out those, those dynamics in those politics is purely based on an identity which in, for, for the purposes of this discussion we're calling the identity as being racism. Yeah. So at, at the core, you know, we could have discussions about race, so to speak, but under no certain circumstances is, it, is there any kind of benefit in being part of a group who characterise themselves by the, the characteristic of being racist and pointing out differences between people yeah, because okay. of their racial differences. <clears throat> mm. that, that, to me, it's, it's fodder for arguments and conflict yeah. and discussion. You know, it, it sets it up a... It draws a line in the sand. Like, it sets up a... a that's it. It, does, it draws it a line It sets up an adversarial situation. Yes. Yeah. And to me... And, look, this, this could be because I'm an optimist, you know, I want the best for the world. Yeah. I really believe that we, we do have some really amazing stuff going on here. I think being human is just incredible. And I just don't think that there is any time or benefit in playing those kind of games. Yeah. So, so um, <coughs> I think... Maybe I'm still... I think I have a different understanding of what I would call identity politics to you, but can I have an example of what you mean? Like, like you're talking about races before. Do you mean, like, um, no one identifies themselves as a racist? Nobody says that because it's such a loaded, loaded term. Yeah. It's filled with so much, like, um, you know, derision and disapproval that no one's going to say, yeah, I'm a racist, I yeah. hate it. Yeah. Or, or, you know, some people might, but very... So probably a better, better example where someone actually self-identifies is religious groups. Yeah. So okay. somebody who says they're a Muslim and they identify as a Muslim. Therefore, I think like this or whatever. Yeah, it's and that And they take on that group identity of being a Muslim mm. in a conversation so that a, a conflict would may emerge as a product of them only being a Muslim yeah, in that yeah. conversation instead of being a person, a person yeah. individual yeah, yeah. who happens to uh, have a, f a faith which is characterised by Muslim beliefs, yeah, yeah. they are that person. You're a thing, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you give yourself a title and then you give people a, um, a pre... Um, you know, like a preloaded idea a of pre -set your of positions ideals. and your yeah, yeah, and and values too. You're bringing yeah. a set of values, preconceived set of values, into that interaction. Then yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, to me, like I'm all for people having you know their own um, their, their capacity to be sovereign and 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 if they want to be uh, able to talk about certain topics or share opinions, you know, that's amazing. That's important and necessary. Yeah. But taking on the identity of that topic and only speaking from that group group sort of identity, mm. to me, it, it doesn't allow us to solve any problems. It doesn't allow us to come out of conflict. I guess I've always had like, um, yeah, yeah, you know, like I feel you. And I've had a lot of conflict myself about this, about the idea of identity. And I guess maybe it's to do with me having, having like grown up um, fairly nomadic like I haven't had a home as such mm. um, <clears throat> I've never stayed in the one place for you know 
like my whole childhood or something, you know, like I don't have a place that is my home um, as such. And, you know, having, you know, mixed race family, you know, like one side of my family is like black and the other side's like pretty white, you know, like um, I've got, I haven't had, I guess, you know, like maybe I've just got some um, inbuilt conflict about identity and stuff anyway. But um, yeah, I've always kind of thought that identity can hold people back because like you were saying, you know, you've got this preconceived, um, you know, set of ideals or values. Um, and like, and I, but I think like, you know, and it makes you inflexible. It makes you a part of, part of a group that has an identity and then you're sort of stuck with that. Um, which even, which is know. why I, I believe it's actually a problem to do that. Yeah. But at this, on the other side of the coin, like, we're all out here looking for belonging and like, and you can't say, I mean, like, I feel like I've noticed and maybe this is you know, purely anecdotal, but, um, you know, like you see a lot of like, um, like Westerners sort of thing, Americans, Australians, whatever, um, that is sort of really trying to buy into other people's cultures because <laughs> I feel like we don't have that much of an identity totally. um, in in the Western world, you know, like the yeah, globalization. I'm, and I'm, certainly, I'm certainly guilty of that. It's, like when it's I, great to be adaptable, but yeah, like... Yeah, when I got to 18, to, 19 and went, I'm, I'm a white, privileged, middle-class Australian boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I need to go and break this up a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went traveling and I went into the desert in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> put myself in positions where it was like, I need to find where I belong. Yeah. But like, you know, I don't know. I, I see like, you know, and then people then like will gravitate to like other people's cultures and try to take it on um, because they don't have like a strong identity of their own mm. so they're like kind of taking bits and pieces of other people's identities and trying to stitch it together into something meaningful like i feel like we've lost something by not having belonging and a group identity and all that sort of thing um but i feel like <clears throat> the world that we live in at the moment is maybe in a transitional period where we're moving away from small group identities and moving towards like some sort of an earthling identity where and, you know where this it's this amalgamation a few times of now yeah, I, I, this is this has come up a couple times. This sort of global, yeah, global sort of culture, and I, I totally agree. I think that it's it's time. I think we're transitioning. Uh, whether we, you know, it's it's been brought about by technologies or transport or all yeah. those transport technology. Like I think it's all yeah. So, but but there's obviously accessibility's changing. There's factors that are in play at the moment, which makes everybody more connectable or and connected. And so naturally, a, some sort the of spread of culture is going to happen, and like on a merge, um, convergence of culture, mm. yeah, mm. all the all these sort of things. And this is where, for me, I grew up as a middle middle class white Australian lad, yeah. fully sort of being indoctrinated into this individualistic culture. Yeah. Once I could think about it and look around and go everyone here is greedy and they just all want more and I don't relate to this. I've got to get out of here. And then I went in search of my tribe. Now I'm at a, I'm an amazing place in my life right now. Um, I'm at a very particularly important developmental phase of my life. I just turned 40 this year. Congratulations. So, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Four decades. Yeah. Nice. And I'm feeling <laughs> like the need to 
construct an idea of who I am has all faded away now. Like, yeah. To me, that's all part of the Saturn return period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with that gone, I'm now starting to realise that, that my identity is human and my tribe is humanity. Yeah. And I feel quite at home wherever I go now. Yeah. So I can be in a, in a place where um, I've never been before and I feel so comfortable to reach out to a stranger yeah. and ask them for support or and I think like, say hello. Yeah. Or, and like although you might not find complete acceptance and belonging um, everywhere you go and because, I don't know, like let's be honest, you're a stranger, like most people are pretty nice like most people are pretty good you go and like and you say hey i'm a person and i don't know anybody here like you know there's you know there's sort of pricks wherever you go there's always going to be a percentage but like i've generally had a pretty good response man yeah most people are pretty good if you come and just be like and show you're not a threat and be open and and ready to connect yeah you know so often people are people are like welcoming yeah very very welcoming and and i think that the festival culture is a really brilliant platform to develop this too. Mm. I think I've There's a lot of mobility there. Like there a lot is. of people from all over the place there coming is. together. Yeah. And and you know, if you stand around and just look at it, it's very, very easy to kind of point out the little cliques, little groups of sure. people that's like, you know, they're all talking together, they're all buddy buddy and you know, I bet they wouldn't really accept me if I went up and, mm. and sort of joined in. But if you do have the courage and you end up joining in you end up being the most fascinating people person there because you are new. Because you're the outsider. Yeah, yeah. And I've always found that people really open yeah. up. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a talker and a, an extrovert by nature, so it's yeah. pretty easy for me to do that. So I've done this often in, yep. in festival sort of settings. And I <coughs> have to say how grateful I am to, to, for pe- to people to go out of their way to acknowledge how much they appreciate the fact that I actually had the courage to come in mm. and be part of their group. Mm. I get it a lot. I get Pete because because I'm not just a you know oh can I just come and join and I'll sit here and say nothing. I'm a, like so who are you and what's your name? And yeah, what do you, yeah, what, yeah. What, what do you love you doing? You give people an excuse to tell their stories as well. Like people like people well, want other people to know it's, who they are. You know, yeah. like and like maybe that's Truthful part of that too, belonging you know? as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But just a rumor. It's like he's an opportunity to really be honest. Speak for yourself. Speak and for like, yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I guess like, um, and having like a clean slate is a really like, I don't know the word, but it's, it's, it's a blessing, you know. You get to like, to start fresh with somebody, you know. You meet a new person who's being open and receiving it and is yeah. keen to know who you are and you get to tell them you are well this man this goes back to what i was saying to you before about when i'm working with people with mental illness Mm. and if if i present to them as somebody who's already got a preconceived idea about what they're like and who they are so i've read in your file here that you have that you have this wrong with you and that wrong with you and that and that and that that's their identity then well i guess i'm this thing but if i if i basically go i've done this i've actually gone in with the file and gone so Here's your file, but I've thrown it off to the side. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't really want to read it. Straight from the horse's mouth. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. You tell me about you. Yeah. And the difference, you know, just like you're saying, that that opportunity to speak for themselves is just, it's so therapeutic and there's so much benefit in it. For sure, yeah. And like, and it's, and I think um, being, 
non-judgmental, you know? Um, and like, I guess we all judge, you know, in, in certain ways to certain degrees, but like really as best you're, as you're able being non-judgmental um, and giving a person a chance to speak for themselves and letting them like, and, and I think it comes back to like sort of what we are talking about before we started recording about, um, about honesty and making it okay for people to tell their truth or whatever, you know, like people, especially people who have done think done wrong things, you know, or, or done things that are, are considered, um, you know, that are viewed disapprovingly by society or whatever. Um, if you give them a chance to tell their story of how they ended up in that situation where they did this thing that was such an grievance or whatever, um, then they, they get to, and, and if you can um, make it a safe place for them to tell that story without the fear of judgment or ostracization, um, like they're gonna open up way more. They're gonna feel like they can open up and tell you the truth of the, of the matter because you know, they're not afraid that there's gonna be some ill consequence of their honesty. Big time. Yeah. Like, I, saw, I see this all the time, and and yeah. I see it every day, especially when I was working in the prison. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, it, it happens interpersonally. I think like in a lot of conversations I've had, I feel like I've, um, I have maybe a bit of a knack for getting people to open up like that um, because I, th I think I've sort of, I've, I don't know how exactly I do it, but maybe just intuitively I've like developed a way of, of being open to people and understanding them without prejudging them and punishing them for some past behavior. And, like, and people tend to be, to feel comfortable to be able to tell you about things that they've done wrong or that have been of wrongs that have been done to them or whatever without feeling like there's some kind of um, of a consequence that's going to follow. Mm. And like, I think that like, man, I know I love it when someone gives me the opportunity to do that, you know, it's, it's such a, such a, you know, a beautiful thing to be able to, to share, you know, because we all find ourselves in situations that are regrettable, either that we've had no control over um, where we've been wronged or where we've wronged somebody and, you know, and feel some kind of regret for it or whatever. And, mm. and like, I think, you know, being able to share that and saying, I found myself in a situation where I behaved poorly uh, and I regret that. And being able to say that without somebody shunning you immediately, you know, or someone understanding yeah. how you could have arrived in that circumstance is like, it's such a powerful thing. Uh, I've worked nice, definitely. Um, for a time in, um, in a boys shelter, like in a crisis shelter um, here in Cairns. And like, yeah, and I got a bit of practice at that sort of thing there with not, you know, I mean, it's probably something similar to your situation in the prisons and whatnot, but um, I mean, so if you've done this stuff at university and then been doing it for a while, I've only, only did it for, um, for about a year or so or a little less, oh, maybe less, about eight months or something. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> there's like, a lot of guys coming in there, like they're living on the streets and stuff and they're living on the streets, not, you know, from a particular choice, you know, mm. it's like this determinism thing we're talking about. Nobody goes, yeah, this looks like a, a good way of living. I think I'm going to not have a job and I'm going to live on the streets and I'm going to get moved on from the city centre. But, uh, you know, and like they don't uh, come to this position by choice. They, you know, life happens and it necessitates the kind of things that they're doing um, and then being able to talk about that and say like, man, I, I'm in this position and I've had this thing happen to me or 
um, you know, I was doing this and blah, 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 and something regrettable happened or whatever. And like, they, they definitely feel more comfortable opening up to you if you're not immediately chastising them for the thing that you disagree with that they did, you know? Mm, mm. It's not, I feel like that sort of like retributive justice mo model of like punishing people for, I mean, you have to have something like that in there, but like, I feel like we resort to punishment way too quickly. Um, I feel like understanding works so much better, at least in my experience. Um, you know, you, yeah, I don't know. It's, well, it, it's, it's a whole, like it's, it's a whole other podcast <laughs> for me to share with you what I think about the corrections uh, like system. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure you've got some things to say about that. Yeah, and <coughs> I, I'll just say very briefly that I think that it could be improved upon <laughs> in a big way. But, but, <laughs> while, but while we're on it, um, can I share with something, bro? That I feel that you offer. To, to people that I really value. Yes, please. That is your capacity to be critical. Like, I, I love the way that when I speak to you, you often critically analyse what I'm saying to you. And yeah. you, like, it's not s simply devil's advocate. Mm -mm. It's not, th it's not <laughs> arguing for the sake of it. Yeah. It's because you have a belief that's somewhat augmented to the what I'm offering yeah, you, yeah. and you want to understand me further. That's how I take it anyway. Yeah, no, that's how you, I mean it. Yeah. You ask me questions because you want to understand me better. Mm, and if, I think that is such an amazing quality. Man. Yeah. And, and I believe you. that, that that is partly how you achieve what it is that you were just sharing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's related. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, thanks I for saying. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I really value that. I do. You. Yeah, I do want to understand. I mean, um, there's, a, there's a fine line. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a delicate thing. And I'm um, sure some people would have probably taken it as you're absolutely. challenging me here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you want to take me on? Yeah, all right. I'll uh, yeah. argue you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And And I have people that are scared to talk to me because of that. Because, like... Because it's not super common, like either, like I think sometimes people will just go along with what you're saying to not rock the boat. Um, yeah. And even if they don't completely understand, they'll be like, oh yeah, I probably agree. So I'll just gonna, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think like, so sometimes if people are not totally secure in themselves um, or if they're saying something they don't necessarily believe in, but they mm. want you to think they do or they, yeah. or they don't understand, but they want you to think they understand it. Um, and, they, and they say something and then you ask them to explain that further. They feel threatened by the being exposed, I guess, by being like, oh, I'm going to be found out that I'm talking about something I don't understand or I'm going to be, um, you know, I'm being judged for my position on this thing or something. Um, and I think some people get a bit, um, and it, like I said, it's delicate, you know, like yeah. it's sometimes... It can be um, a hard thing. Mostly I find like the, the best way to get, you know, like, and, and the thing is I'm, I'm asking because I want to understand. I want, um, and I don't just want me to, like I want to understand your position and, and the thing that you're trying to explain to me. I want to make sure I have a good handle on it so that if I'm going to comment on it, I'm commenting on it and not my flawed understanding of it. Of yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Um, but. On top of that as well, I want you to understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so many people just parrot things they've heard before, um, you know, like... And I think... And, I think and they don't understand what, they, what they're saying, um, I, but I they want you to think that they're smart or they want you to think yeah. that they know a thing. Um, and if you get them to speak it back, they can get a better understanding of what they're talking about. Fundamentally, 
that is what I love about it so much. And it's why I'm, I'm praising you and, and acknowledging you for it because yeah. it actually helps me. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a chance to just polish that stone a bit harder and yeah. be like, okay, um, you know, there's like an, a good Einstein, oh, it's a quote attributed to Einstein, but there's so many misquotes attributed to Einstein, so maybe it's not him. Um, but there's one that's like, um, uh, it's something along the lines of like, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, then you don't understand it sort of yeah. thing. Like, um, and, and I don't think that that's entirely true in every circumstance, but it's a good rule of thumb to go by. Like, if you're telling it to somebody and they don't get it, that's maybe not their fault. Maybe it's your fault that you don't understand it in a way that you can um, communicate it properly or, or you're not prepared to give the time that it takes to build up the framework for them to understand it properly. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that's a laborious process and sometimes you just got to have the patience to just wade through the swamp like that to, to share your idea with somebody. Um, but if you care about it enough and if you understand it well enough, then you've got to put in the time to really communicate properly. Um, and sometimes just asking the right questions gives people the excuse to do that you know, where they might not have bothered otherwise and it lets them know that you're interested in actually hearing them out. So, Is, is this a, a natural process for you or have you sat down and really thought about this is the way that I'm going to interact and converse with people? I think I've intuitively developed it over a number of years um, yeah. but like more, definitely more so um, in recent years I've been like, okay, like here's... I've noticed how to get a better response out of people and it's by not prejudging. It's so simple. Like, it's, it's, it seems like common sense, but it's just, like, uncommon in practice, you know? Like, not prejudging people um, and asking them questions, asking them to clarify what it is they're talking about, especially if you don't understand it. Um, but if someone says something that you find inflammatory or, like, um, or that you, that you, like, vehemently disagree with or something, um, maybe they don't even realise that it's offensive. And if mm. you ask them to explain it properly, um, then, you'll, then, you'll, then they'll analyse what they're saying um, and try and get their point across in a way that is unequivocal, you know? Like, there's always a chance you've misinterpreted it and it wasn't meant in some offensive way or whatever. But if, you, if they repeat it back to you in a way that's... Then you can either agree or disagree with it properly, you know, or critique it properly. And I've, yeah, I so think like it's something I've, that I, I try hard to get right. But like I said, it's delicate. You don't get it right all the time. But you are putting, putting thought into it and refining mostly, it. Mostly, yeah, totally. If and mostly it's just a, asking questions, you know, like yeah. just asking them to delve deeper into their own thought. Because sometimes they'll say something like, and I'm sure I do it as well. I'm sure everybody does it. But like you parrot a thing that you've heard somewhere before. Yeah. You may not necessarily understand it completely. Um, but you, you like you like the response it got when you saw someone else do it. And you're yeah. like, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Um, I might be able to further my position or, or create an image of myself, you know, as a person who knows this kind of thing or whatever. And then you say the thing or, you know, say someone's saying it to me and they say something to me and I'm like, okay, can you explain that further? <laughs> Dig a little deeper. I want to know why you think this. Why is it that you think this thing? Um, and an insecure person would find that extremely threatening. Oh, it's, it's painful. I, I, I don't like, um, I'm, I'm a pretty conflict averse person. Um, you know, like I try to be brave conversationally and like interpersonally and whatnot as well, but I'm not particularly into awkward social situations or, or making people feel bad. Like I'm too um, empathetic to be able to sit and watch somebody squirm. I, I really don't like it, you know? So like, so like if, I, yeah, if I do speak to someone and I, and I try to get them to delve deeper into their own, into their own thought on something, um, sometimes that's a really uncomfortable thing to watch, you know? Like watch somebody um, 
squirm and 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 uh, oh I'm gonna get found out you know watch that scared look in their eyes when they're like I can't back this up at all you know yeah um, but I think that so, that volition yeah, of yeah. mind like your intention behind it really mm. would set the tone with that you know if you're yeah. deliberately setting out to try and make someone look silly or yeah. prove them wrong that's different than genuinely asking yeah because you want totally. to know more and most I, people respond like that as well most people respond good. like um, they. They, you know, they notice that you're <clears throat> that you're not trying to judge them, or that you're, you know, that you just want to know more or something. You know, like that sort of. I'm a pretty genuinely curious person anyway, so it's probably not much of a hard sell yeah. for me. You know, like I'm a pretty curious person anyway, so like. What about when you meet new people and they don't necessarily know that you're a curious person? You meet new yeah. people. Does it change then? Oh well, I mean, like it's not hard for me to sell a genuine curiosity in what they're saying. Because I'm a curious person by nature. So, like, I'm sure that they're like, oh, this person wants to know more. So, curiosity is part of your your authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, like, um, and and it's like we were saying before, when you come to a new group and you're chatting to people and whatever, um, and people get a chance to tell their story and they're excited because they get to tell it to someone who doesn't already know it or whatever. Like, most of the time, people appreciate your enthusiasm to understand them better and they get an excuse to talk about themselves or their ideas or whatever. So they're like, they jump on it mostly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It doesn't always work shit, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a really fantastic trait and I, I really appreciate that you do it. And I really yeah. appreciate uh, that you're demonstrating how to do it as well, because I think yeah. it's a process, which I believe if more people were able to adopt it would really minimise conflict. It's understanding. It's yeah. cr- it's providing, it's creating understanding between See, people. And and I think it's worth actually bringing <coughs> up at mm. this point of our conversation that I, I think that what we're talking about now in, in part can be linked to that conversation we're having before about flexibility um, if and, and identity politics as well. So yeah, if yeah. you were if you were so set on maintaining some established identity and then maintaining the ideals that, that come along with that identity, uh, you, you very likely wouldn't be able to have a, a process where you're inquiring further because there's always some agenda behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and you're, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to disagree with it before you even finish telling me about yeah. it. Yeah, you know? so yeah. I believe that it, we, we, it's, it's very, very important for, for people to have the capacity to discuss things like racial differences or mm. religious ideology and the differences between them. I believe that having the capacity to be able to have conversations but then inquire with genuine, authentic interest yep. is yep. the difference between ending up in an argument about identity politics yeah. or having genuine evolution occur. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I believe that, um, that we're... Our, our conversation has gone to the point where yeah. we can say this. And I love it, man, because we're actually extracting some real practical things out yeah, of this yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. So I encourage anyone that's listening to this right now and to, to really think about what we're actually <laughs> talking about now and, and realise that inquiring into someone's ideas is going to help them and it's going to help you. It's going to give them... Um, a feeling of being understood and it's going to give you a feeling of understanding someone's position and if, they, and if they've got a position that you disagree with um, you understanding that is going to be I guess a way for you to understand what it is exactly that you disagree with um, yeah. for the first thing um, which is going to 
en enable an insight in you to be able to, you know, why do I disagree with this? Why am I having an emotional reaction to this? Or yeah, whatever? yeah. Um, which That's gives you an insight into awesome. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also it's like, if you're pretty certain you've you understood their argument or, or their position properly, um, then you can actually have a critical response to yeah. that. You know, if you're yes. like, okay, I, I hear it, I understand it. And, and like, and I think a good practice as well is to repeat it back to them in your own yeah. words so that they can agree that what you have in your head is the same as what they have in their head, you know? Um, and things get lost in translation, especially if you're not communicating it effectively. So like, I think part of that effective communication is just repeating it back to them and saying like, hey, so just to clarify, this is how I'm understanding you. Let me know if I'm right or wrong, hot or cold, you know, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. give it back to them. And then they're like, yes, I agree. Uh, you know, yes, you understand that properly. And then you're like, okay, here's why I disagree with that. <laughs> you know, like, and, and then there great. can be no People, this is more practical you know? strategies here. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I'm feeling real exposed now. <laughs> Very <laughs> literally though. This is, yeah. These are the kinds of... Uh, you didn't need to think about for a second that maybe someone else might listen to this and it's not just a yarn we're having, you know? Well, this is the, the beauty about what we've done. Like mm. so far, it's just been really you and I having conversation. But yeah, like this is what I sort of feel is my duty as the host yeah. of this podcast to actually bring it back sometimes that remind people, that people there's will an audience. be listening. Yeah. Yeah, will, and, and this is, this is the beauty of this setup, you know, that we can, we can have yeah. a conversation and, and, yeah. and, it, and it does get deep because it's you and I talking. Yeah. And so we can pick up on all the nuances and everything like that. And what comes out of here is yeah. a lot deeper, you know, than if we just were being influenced by the fact that yeah. people might be listening. They might not have understood what we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be we've talking done a about fantastic that before. Since we've been recording, we were talking about that, where you're talking about how, like, the social influence yep. on people, like, you know, um, if it's something they think they do well, then they do better at yep. it. Something, you know, like, the influence, uh, sorry, the audience is definitely an influence, you know, like, and I think this sort of, like, podcast format, <clears throat> where it's just you and me yarning, is, like, it's real gives the illusion of there being no audience. You know, like we get to like just, I have a yarn between mates and pretend like we're just chit chat. Um, but then other people can listen back to this later and, and glean insights from it or just completely uh, trash it all if they do disagree with it or whatever, you know. That's why I want to do it this way, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a winner. As opposed to commercial television or commercial media who are working with time frames and they're editing it and they're just getting sound yeah. bites for the commercials and yeah. they've got sponsors that they've got to... The nuance is gone at that point. There's no, you know, when you try where's to... The, where's the authenticity? Yeah, is totally. Not even present. No, like, um, that's like total agenda at that point because you have a point to make, you have a limited time to make it, you distill it down to the most impactful way you can um, and I find like the, that sort of sound bite situation is overly simplistic you know like it simplifies complex ideas into yeah. into like um you know bite-sized shareable pieces um and then the nuance all of the texture of the thing disappears yep <clears throat> yeah and one day i hope to actually be videoing this too yeah so that's i find a little more confronting See, than that, audio so that's why at the moment i'm not doing yeah. it because at the moment I'm, I'm still learning how to sink into this real natural state yep, myself. Yep. I mean, I'm being, I'm give, being given the feedback that I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of it. Um, Agree. But I think that 
it would be harder if there was a video on me. Yeah, for sure. Like I'd get used to it, but I reckon you would after a while. Um, but yeah, I'm. I <laughs> I see video uh, playback of myself, um, and yeah, like I think I mentioned this before, but like I'm a really <laughs> restless sort of person. I don't sit still. I pull weird faces and like you know sit with my mouth open and stuff and I don't think I have like the kind of composure that I'd need to be videoed for two and a half hours or something you know I feel like I'd be embarrassing myself a lot of the time you know catching flies with my mouth open and like and pulling weird faces and, you know my listening face as I as I like respond internally to things that I'm hearing like, I feel like I'll be like making a bit of a doogie out of myself well, we'll see how we go when the time maybe comes. Maybe I'll get used I, to it as well, you know. Yeah. If you do, I probably will. Um, yeah. You maybe. Yeah. I, I feel like forgetting that the camera's not on is going to be the worst part. You know, like you try to forget the, that the microphones are here because you're just having a chat and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if I forgot the cameras were there, I'd be like pulling weird faces <laughs> and things. and like. Yeah. Which, which probably would make for a really cool video, man. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. would be watching yeah. it and they'd get bored of the conversation and like, be no, making no, really cool faces. So <laughs> yeah. That would um, be the entertainment part. And maybe that's the most authentic thing you can do. Like that's the most revealing way that you could be is like, you know, forgetting that the cameras are on and not putting on your camera face and all the rest yeah. of that and just like, uh, you know. Well, I, I believe that through popular culture, I believe that those who are able to maintain authenticity on, on camera and then people get to see that on TV screens, mm. I think that, you know, they're the ones who gen generally become the most well-liked pe people, yeah. admire them the most yeah. or, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think, I reckon it's different strokes for different folks. Like some people don't necessarily want authenticity, they want showmanship. And yep. so like, and some people like like a person who's false on camera, but-, um, but That's where like a, an actor, say for example, who's a brilliant show, show person, mm. can perform amazingly when they're acting. Yeah. And then they do say a media interview. And you've got those who, they're still acting when they're doing their yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got those who, they might act a little bit every now and again to make the interview more entertaining, yeah. But there's an authenticity that shines through them when they're on camera, and you can see that. Yeah, yeah. You, you get a sense it. of who the person really is. You get a sense of when it. they're not in character. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think those have been those sort of people become the most well liked celebrities. Do you have an example of, of someone who does that well? The one that springs to mind is Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, he's he's pretty Jim Carrey. He's he, when you he's see him, sort of thing, like phenomenal performer. Yeah. You know, overall, the characters that he can do and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's a good example because I, I, I don't know how much you know about him. I don't know heaps, but I've certainly watched a few things over the last few years. And he, over the last few years, has certainly done a number of interviews where he is he's sort of sick and tired of the masks. He's sick and tired of acting. And so he's just saying what he thinks and the interviewer is getting concerned for his mental health and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's just like, He's an interesting whatever. character, man. Like, he's a hilarious comedic actor. Like, a hilarious physical comedian. Um, but also, like, his straight movies, you know, like, his serious dramatic roles are just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, but I don't know how much of that is the direction and how much of that is him as an actor, but, like... Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, just 
far out, man. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I think yeah. it's my favorite like love story that I've ever seen. It's the most, yeah. um, you know, one of the most powerful things. But like that's, do you know much about that movie? Well, I've seen it. I've seen it. Have you heard A couple of, of times. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you know, for me, there was certainly the effect of watching it for the first time and watching Jim Carrey and going, he's not being funny. Who? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That, so... I needed to watch it again. Yeah. Um, with, um, like, without the preconception that he's going to be goofy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's when I was able to start actually understanding what the movie was trying to portray yeah. a little bit more. And then it's not been until probably after I'd watched it the second time that I really started actually reflecting on Jim Carrey's acting in it. Right. And then I've you know, watched a couple of documentaries about Jim Carrey okay. where it's brought up. And it's sort of, I, I was able to recall how he acted in those movies. Yeah, yeah. And how intense and how much depth he was able to get out of the character. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a serious drama, dramatic way. I think I saw that movie after I'd seen The Number 23. Have you seen Number 23? No. Um, it's another serious one of his um, where he plays, have you heard of The 23 thing? Like where people see 23 everywhere? It's this number that um, that people seem to see everywhere and it's like, it's another one of those things, I think, that if you look for it, you'll find yeah. it. Um, but people become obsessed with the number 23 and they see it everywhere, right? Um, and he plays this guy, this guy that's obsessed with the number 23. Okay. Um, and I won't say anything more about it, but I okay. will recommend that you, that you watch it. Yeah, um, it's worth it. Which, yeah, some people are like, oh, I don't know. Doesn't, I don't think it was, um, it was positively received everywhere. I don't think it was necessarily everybody's favourite movie, but I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but I like those kind of like weird sort of movies as well though but I'd, he plays a very serious role in that yeah. and I'd seen that before I saw Eternal Sunshine so you already had that so I'd, I'd already like serious uh, rinsed I'd already had a palate cleanser framework. and rinsed off Liar Liar and The Mask and all of his like comedic roles I was like okay he's doing this whole other thing now yeah. you know um, but the the guy who wrote it Charlie Kaufman is like like one of my favourite writers uh, like of film writers um, script writers like he also wrote um, he wrote and directed Cynic Doking New York if you've seen that um, and he also wrote um, Being John Malkovich have you seen that? So, is, so is, who did you say it was? Charlie Kaufman so it's not Andy no it's not, not Andy the yeah because it's like yeah, Jim okay. Carrey played Andy Kaufman yeah. in Man on the Moon right? yeah. Yeah, yeah but he starred okay. in a movie written by Charlie Kaufman right okay. who's like really out there. Have you seen Adaptation? I'm, I'm obsessed with Charlie Kaufman movies because they're just like, they're really meta and really weird and really yeah, like... I don't know um, I've seen Adaptation. Like, really out there thinking, you know, like, yeah. thinks of a way that he can refresh telling a story, you know, like, find a fresh way of telling a story um, and he's just done it like maybe four or five times, made really Any weird and different... Any other movies that I know? Like, I, I have seen John Val Malkovich... But only once, yep. and I would really like to see it again. Yeah, definitely do. It's really good, um, yeah, I reckon. I anyway, but I like these kind of like off the wall sort of weird things. How old's adaptation? Uh, early two thousands, I reckon. Um, I'm just gonna look it up. Um, yeah, I can't remember seeing okay. adaptation, but it sounds familiar to me. So, uh, the most recent one I think is Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but yeah, being John Malkovich. Oh, Human Nature? Have you seen that? No. Oh, man. 
They're all really good movies. Sweet, man. They're all really... Yeah, just I've look up... movies that I can... Yeah, I can look watch. him up and watch everything of his. It's really good. Yeah. Just really weird and different and, like, yeah. just super out there. Like, you know, like, have you ever... Have you ever heard of a love story like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? You know, like, I, don't, I feel like there's never been, like, a, a love story like that before or since, you know? Do, do you know the first thing that popped into my head? Was it? Have you seen Arrival? What's it called? Arrival. Yes. Yeah. Sick. Love it. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, That's man. the first thing that popped in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only I oh, guess, because the time, the time glitching that goes on. Yep, yep, yep. And then totally. there is the love story that's running. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is, isn't there? Well. Yeah. yeah. It's very subtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just because you got those different time. Oh, and man, it's so good. Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. Because it's like, I mean, the theme of knowing where the road goes, <clears throat> but walking it anyway, you know? And like, I feel like yeah. there's a, an interesting theme of like impermanence in that and being able to let go yeah, of things. Totally, so it's totally. like, she knows like without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't seen it, like she knows what's where the road leads, but you know, you you walk the road anyway. Yeah. You know, you know it's not always gonna be pretty. Um but How nothing lasts, you know, nothing lasts. You don't work forever. out that she knows until like it's And sort she of doesn't know either. Converges. Like and you know, and even that's a paradox as well, you know, like yeah. she doesn't uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're gonna watch that again. That's a pretty late. Just come one. out on Netflix. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know what? Hey, I'm, sorry. Can I I'm excuse lying. myself for a sec? I just need to go pee. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back after this short, short break, and um, you get to listen to me rambling on for uh, a number of minutes about. Um, Gee, what can I ramble on about? Uh, I went to the movies last night. I went and saw uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, the new film about Queen. Fantastic. It's a really good movie. It's really, really uh, well portrayed. And um, music was, was awesome. The cast was, cast was amazing. Uh, and then the way it all came together the end well worth seeing for sure go and check it out uh, but yeah it was it was fantastic to go to the movies my brother came out with me and I can't remember the last time that I went but yeah it was fantastic just to finish work on a Friday afternoon and go to the cinemas enjoy some downtime for a couple of hours all um while being serenaded by the music of Queen. It was fantastic. It's really, really good. So, um... And we're back. All right, so... And, um, you have a really pleasant voice, a really expressive and really, really nice voice. Oh, thank you, bro. That, I really I appreciate gonna, that feedback. I'm going to listen to this back and be, like, cringing at my own voice. <laughs> but you have, like, well, well, you're the right kind of I do the same. Like, I, I listen back to it and I hear my voice. And go, oh, it's smooth, sound... though, and, like, oh, and purposeful. I feel yeah. like mine's a bit more unwieldy and uh, I don't think I am... Um, come across as measured as you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I will put in there that I, I actually talk for a living, so I practice it a fair bit. Fair go, yeah. Uh, and, and I think <clears throat> more so what I'm saying is, like, I, I have 
to observe my, myself and be really attentive to the way that I speak, particularly yeah. tone and things like that is really important in my work. Yeah. But, um, but getting back to, we're talking about Arrival. Right. The, the concept about that movie that just, I mean, it is the pinnacle of the movie, but it just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. idea that if we changed our, our writing to be non-linear, yeah. that we're actively transforming our brain to be able to take away the concept yeah. of time like it's j- well I just yeah man yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> so good <laughs> the, the the way that they delivered it in terms yeah. of it being through language and and that being represented by writing yeah, yeah. i think is a really practical way to kind of um just illustrate to the world like how simple that it could really be done but on oh, how like our perception of everything is shaped by language yeah our, our whole like evolutionarily so like our brains are adapted for language you know like that's a thing that's not entirely unique to humans but definitely most developed in humans yeah 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 but i i de- like i want to emphasize how the writing part of our language is obviously a further step from basic, uh, you know, conversational skills or, you know, verb, like verbal conversation. What do you mean a further step? So we didn't, we didn't invent writing before we invented no. the dialect. Yeah, yeah. So the, right. dialect, the dialect came first. So yeah. al- although in that movie there was this idea that the, the, the reason that these aliens were visiting the Earth was to I'm, I'm spoiling the movie. Yeah, spoiler spoiler alert. alert. For anyone who hasn't seen yeah, the yeah. arrival. Yeah, fast forward like fast five forward minutes because right we're just going to ruin it here. <laughs> so the, the, main, the main purpose of, of them visiting planet Earth was to gift humanity with this new type of language yeah. which is circular in, in nature. Yeah, yeah. or which is um, n- non-localised. Non-localised, non-linear. Not, not circular, but yeah, non-linear. non-linear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so it physically looks like it's a circular shape. Totally, yeah. And it's a whole sentence but the start of it is the end of it and the end of it is the beginning of the yeah, same sentence man. again and and to me like the the idea is rooted in the fact that yeah l- language really develops our reality and so mm. our, our idea of time is entirely language based yeah so when i say that the writing part of it is is one a more advanced step it makes me feel that like the the base idea that our language is what holds the key to uh, our mortality, to our limits and everything. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can actually reshape our relationship to time and all the things that were broken down all in the that different movie that experiences. Given in yeah. We can do that in our discussions, in our conversations. Oh, yeah, we absolutely. Can have, it's, and, and so I think... That's the magic of, like, of language, you know. It's, but it's like, it's also, you know, like... The magic of it is it's like telepathy, you know, like there's, oh, there's really good Terrence McKenna talks on this kind of thing where he's like, mm. where he's talking about how like language is essentially telepathy. It's taking an yep. idea that's in my head yep. and putting it into your head without having to touch you. Like yep. I make a bunch of, um, a bunch of noises with my mouth mm-hmm. um, that are symbolic of particular meanings and if we share those symbols you can interpret the symbols and reconstruct them into hopefully the idea that was in my head mm-hmm. if our if our um if our understanding of those symbols is the same then my, the idea that's in my head 
is now in your head, um, hopefully as a direct representation of it. Um, and like, that's a kind of telepathy, you know, yep. like it's, it's such a weird, um, it's a weird kind of magic. You know? mm-hmm. I, can, mm-hmm. I can take something that's in my head and I can put it into your head. Yep. 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 Most definitely. Without, and, yeah. and so, so to take this idea and put it into the notion of say, um, <clears throat> Let's go back to like the, the time the time aspect. Yeah, yeah. So if if we saturated our psyche with this idea that we're born and we're gonna die, there's a beginning and then there's an end to everything, yeah. then we, we can have conversations that are kind of like that as well. And mm. the conversations can represent that idea. Mm. So, you know, the easy way to discuss it is like we're having if we have a conversation and I say something that is a closed statement which yeah. doesn't call for you to respond or to give me an answer back it's the end of the discussion it's over yeah and our interaction fundamentally is over yeah whereas we could actually interact in a different way and hopefully it's evident that we're doing this right now in our discussion we're saying things that are expanding the conversation's growing yeah 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 yeah. hopefully you're feeling like i'm feeling as well like this this is the beginning of a beautiful dialogue that we're having yeah 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 we're we're, we're only what are we into it uh oh we're almost two hours into it right right. (laughs) but we're only just scratching the surface so to me it's a big world out there where we're modeling and we're actually practicing this sort of cyclic type of interaction where we're calling for each other to, to continue this dialogue. I mm. want to hear more of what you've got to say. Yep, yep. To me, this is like, it's like practicing literally what that writing that those aliens were trying to give oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's what I'm sort of trying to share. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And when, I'm, when I saw that movie depicted in a way that's like, well, if you don't understand at a fundamental level, that you can do this through a conversation. You can expand the conversation and open it up so that it will go on and, and, and on forever. So technically there's no end to this conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finish. We'll pick up where we left off next time or, or we'll take it up with other people in Precisely. the meantime. Yeah. And it, it'll it it'll find its forever. way back together. And, yeah, so to yeah. me, that's like that Uberus snake eating its tail. Uh, yeah, it's going to yeah. keep going around forever. We're actually creating like this perpetual engine here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's something that... And, like, and maybe that's like a microcosm of the giant self-influencing machine that reality is, you know, like, um, like we uh, share ideas with each other and those ideas are then passed on to other people in other circumstances with the other conversations that we're going to have after we leave this space sort of thing. Um, you know, and the things that I've just talked about with you are going to get passed on to other people and vice versa. The things you've said to me, I'm going to then say to other people as well. Um, you know, and then they're going to pass it on to other people like a ripple spreading outwards, I suppose, you know. Yep, and yep. then, you know, and the things that I'm talking about right now are things that I've picked up in previous conversations in the past, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like this, uh, you know, interactive, influencing, spreading thing, you Standing know. Standing like on this, the shoulders of giants. Yeah, totally, yeah, concept. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, I, and so and that's I want to like gets that's what causes you to reevaluate your values as well, you know. Like just to sort of go back to what we were saying before, you know, you have these conversations, make you think about something in a different light, or you um, you get a different perspective on a thing that you hadn't thought about before. Mm. Um, yeah, and you take that back to your existing understanding of whatever it is 
and you reassess it in the light of the new, the new information that you have now, you know? And then you decide if you want to hang on to that value or if you want to change it. Yeah. Yep. Very, very good, man. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. Mate, right. um, to, be, to be having conversations like this is, I think, testament to us both that we're yeah. both exemplifying this, this type of interactive strategy that we're identifying at this point of our conversation has utility and yeah. has function. Yeah. And so I really want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to do this because yeah. it's what I want to do all the time. In totally, yeah. It's a oh. good like kick up the bum to like, um, you know, like we were saying it earlier as well, you know, you don't, um, you don't often enough make time to, to do this, like sit down and just have, have the big, the deep, deep, you know, get on mm. the real big yarn and like sort of touch on some of the things that you wouldn't, touch on in a small talk conversation, you know, in just rare. a chit chat, you see each other in the street and you have a little mini catch up. It's not the same as like coming into your house, into your space and sitting down and, you know. You know what I'm finding though, is that everybody that I've invited into my space to come and do this are just so fascinating. Like everyone's just got such amazing things to say. Yeah. It's, it's I reckon that that's, <sighs> it's in most of us, if not all of all us, of you know, thing. if you just make the right um, if you set up the right environment for that to like to come out, everyone's got a story, hey? Yeah, yeah. And I, I've just been blown away by how receptive people have been to the How to many the in offer. are you now? Um, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my plan, yeah, every, yeah, everything yeah, that's yeah. going to be... Um, yeah, for sure. ...be going on um, with it. But yeah, it was like it's... I've, I've, yeah, as I was saying to you before we started recording, like... I've been wanting to, to do something like this as well um, for some time. It's just massive inspiration that you've, you know, you're a doer, hey, you're a doer. And, like, you just got off your ass and did it. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, power to you for it. I'm glad you invited me on. Oh, well, thank you so much, bro. Yeah. Look, it's a bit bit backwards, um, but I do feel that our conversation is starting to, to come to a place where it might be good to, to break. Yeah, sure. Um, but... Yeah, we never ever did do an introduction. So yeah, I was just thinking it, it's a before. bit backwards. But can can we maybe take this opportunity right now to yep. uh, just to give a, a little bit of a background? And I mean, we haven't actually even um, spoken your name the whole time. People <laughs> are listening <laughs> to this. Hopefully, you've just tapped into and gone, "Gee, this guy's a really interesting speaker. I'm just going to listen to. It. I don't know who it is. I don't care." <laughs> But to there, like there will be an intro segment at the start. There will be. There will be. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so when I, when, once we finish this, I do do a little bit of, of post production, no yeah, yeah. editing, but I yeah. do do some compression, a bit of EQing, and I'll do yeah. a little little introduction. Okay. Cool. To cool. It too, yeah. But um, <laughs> as we were sp speaking about before, uh, I always like to give my guests the opportunity to to speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you can now actually consider that we do have an audience and they are listening, yep. uh, can you please share with our, our listeners who you are and, and a little bit about yourself? Jeez. Um, Just to put you on the spot. Yeah, I know. It's always like a thing where, um, you know, and it's not the first time I've been asked this. Um, I should have a prepackaged answer, but like, I guess the answer changes depending on the on the asker of the question sort of thing, and like and you know and I never really so, know um, exactly what to say when I'm talking about myself. Um, let's so, start off with your name. Yeah, let's go there. Um, so 
my name is Aaron McDonald. Um, most people know me as Will. It's a bit of a nickname um, that's sort of become something of a like semi-official name, I guess. Um, so I'm uh, at the moment I'm deferred, but ordinarily I'm a sustainability student um, at James Cook Uni. Um, sort of studying. Um, you know, a bit of a mature student. I've been in and out of um, tertiary study for a lot of my life. I'm, I like learning. Mm -hmm. um, I've mentioned before I was working for a little while in um, in social services at a boys' uh, a crisis shelter. So that's a thing that I'm interested in and a thing that, uh, you know, like uh, I'm interested in social change and in and environmental conservation and... Um, and in new ways that we can structure our society to give it the best chance of surviving um, in the long term. Um, and so to that effect, I got into politics in a pretty big way. I'm a member of the Greens. Um, I ran in the state election ooh, 2017, last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I was unsuccessful, unfortunately. Um, I feel like it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle being a greenie in Cairns. It's it's fairly conservative sort of area. I mm. mean, people will, will vote Labor, you know, maybe, but I feel like the Greens are a bit of a stretch up here. Um, but that's uh, beside the point, I guess. I'm, I'm here to represent a specific um, set of values and, like, and, a, and, a, and a way of being <clears throat> and a policy suite that I um, believe in. So I'm going to keep doing that because someone's got to do it. So you're going to run again? Yep, for sure. Um, Fantastic, man. I'm not sure um, when particularly, but, I mean, I'm active in the space anyway. Um, yeah. And um, uh, we've just recently... Uh, oh, plug my political situ. By um, all means, yeah. We've, we just established a, a new branch up here um, in um, in the North Queensland area, in the far North Queensland area. Um, so we're, we'll be sort of looking after the electorates of Cook and uh, Barron River, which is like... Um, sort of from, I think, Glen North, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so the northern northern beaches of Cairns and um, and all the way up to to the Cape York and the Torres Strait Islands. Um, and yeah, so like yeah, if you if you're interested in politics or if you're interested in learning more and knowing more, um, you can get a hold of me and we can talk some more about that stuff. Fantastic. And how can people get a hold of you? Okay, what's the um, best way? Jeez, um, I don't know. I'm on Facebook and, I've, and I'm on the email. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a pretty like um, a pretty like restrained um, relationship with Facebook. I'm pretty pretty <laughs> careful not to get sucked into the black hole um, that Facebook is and that social media is. That's a good idea. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter as as Aaron McDonald or Aaron L McDonald, I think. Aaron um, L McDonald yeah, on yeah, Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. Or um, and I think yeah, I think um, if you if you, I think I have a Facebook page as well. That's um, it's Aaron McDonald Community Advocate. I think it's called, um, which you can find me in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I'll probably leave out the email and just leave it as a social thing. And sure. um, if people want to want to hassle me in the social media sphere, they can. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty responsive. I'm not the quickest to respond because I, I tend not to spend a lot of time, um, you know, attached to attached to the social media sort of thing. So like, I'll, yep. yeah, I'm not, I do, I do try to respond to everybody, but I'm not immediate about it. <laughs>
That's all right. Yeah. Um, and that's about that's about it as far as my like my online presence. Um, oh no, wait, sorry, I've got a website and stuff as well. Um, we were talking about this before about um, being interested in social change and wanting to to push these ideas out there further. And you know, you've got your podcast going, and I've got um, a website where I've started. Um, a blog. Oh, your blog, yeah. Yeah, which I've only got um, like one article in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the blog can be found at archivemusic.com. Yeah, ar- archivemusic.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's A R K H I V E. I V E. Yeah, M U S I C dot com. Archive music people. Archivemusic.com. Yep. Yeah. Which is like I guess a bit of a segue into like my other interests, which is um which is uh, dance music. I write I'm an electronic music producer as well. And um yeah, if you go to archive music you'll be able to find out um you know, uh, all about my music and, and about some of the other artists that I've worked with and stuff. It's more like um, of the like progressive psytrance kind of flavour. Yeah. Um, if that means anything to your listeners, I'm not sure. It's well, I'm sort pretty of sure some of them would would be music. Okay, cool. Avid music listeners. Cool. Yeah, no, it's no, a semi niche genre. So like, I don't expect yeah. everybody to have heard of it. Um, but yeah, you will hear about it if you go to archivemusic.com and check it out. Yeah, man, we just did. We just did like a. To over to our podcast, yeah, and we didn't speak about music at all. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> One it's of like the, such a big part of so yeah for both of for both of our lives, you know, we we kind of we met really through music. Actually, yeah, and we, we just had yeah, a two yeah. and a two and a, over two hour conversation, and we never even t- actually. So that's fantastic because <laughs> it means that we've got that still to come. Yeah, 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 totally. And I feel like um, uh, we haven't touched on we touched a little bit on your. Um, some of your work with um, psychology and working in the prisons and whatnot. But, I mean, yeah, we didn't really talk about either of our projects much at all, about podcasting or about um, my music. or And we only just now started, like, introduced me and talked about my, like, political stuff. <laughs> it's like we, we sort of almost talked about, you know, a bit of a Seinfeld situation, you know, like, you know. Only it's not... That's what it was meant to be. Yeah, know? absolutely. So, yep. so this, this particular session this podcast will be a fantastic way for listeners to sort of get a, a good understanding of of the kinds of of the ways that you think and the way that i respond to your thinking and, and mm, the way and vice versa vice versa as well so so it's it is what it's meant to be yeah, but no would you, I, yeah i appreciate you, that it's not based on something like yeah. i'm not i'm not here to plug a project I'm working on. We yeah. just talk about stuff. <laughs> would you, and that's like, would cool. you come back and talk about Absolutely, yeah. Things lot that you're interested in, yeah. future plans, yeah, whenever. Your music, your festivals. Oh, the festival. Oh my God. We haven't even touched on that. <laughs> so there's yeah. a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I, would re- I would absolutely love to continue this conversation totally. if you'd be willing to come back. Yep, love to. So fantastic, man. Yeah, anytime, All right. Man. Well, let's call it quits for today. Yep. And I think there's some incredible stuff that we touched on. Yeah. I really do. I think it's going to be really interesting I to listen like back. I feel like we need to listen. But yeah, listen back to it mm. and like... You know, in the moment of sort of like um, teasing out these ideas as we do conversationally, like I'm sure I've tripped over a f- myself a few times there. Like um, when we're talking about inflexibility and stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like we're like about to nail down mm. something interesting within that sort of realm and um, and we tripped over it a tiny bit and when we regained our balance, we were walking in a different direction. So like, I feel like going back and listening to that and maybe that's taking a couple of, of notes. Like, that's, that's the, 
Like I'm sure this this format is like we can do that. Yeah, and also like, uh, man, anyone who's listening to this, um, you have like a a Facebook page for it or Twitter um, something or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. if people have got a place they can make comments Mm -hmm. on, even if it's on SoundCloud, I suppose you can put it on SoundCloud and people can make comments there. Um, It'd be interesting to read over what people think about what we've spoken about. Um, and address that the next time we meet up as well. Um, well that's that's. I like the idea of a bit of like community involvement in the conversation. Definitely. You know, like we have yeah. the conversation, but um, people can feed into that as well. Yeah, that's that's certainly my intention, <coughs> and cool. fundamentally, that's what regroup is about. Like we want people to join in with this and group with us. Yeah, yeah. that whole deadly. That whole concept yeah. is, is built upon that that premise that it, we need to return and and start having deeper connections with people. So yeah. we, I do invite everybody to come on board and start making comments and give us the feedback. Yep. Tell us if things that we've discussed, you know, need a little bit more information or a bit more research or a bit more data added. Yeah, or like some correcting if people know, if people understand yeah. things that we think we know that, um, that we're that we're wrong about yeah or that we're, get in touch we want to yeah. know we want to we want to expand this conversation further mm, mm. so by all means but mate um yeah. i i knew that this would be worth it and yeah. it has exceeded my expectations oh, sick. Been, oh, thanks, man. it's uh, been really fantastic so yeah for me too thank you so much aaron i really yeah. appreciate it man yeah, no have a great rest of your day everybody thank you for listening yeah cheers guys yeah. catch up